during 2021, we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines. And, and that vaccine, uh, key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission. Uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. We can kind of almost see the end. We're, we're vaccinating so very fast. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. Essentially, vaccines block you from getting and giving um, the virus. Fully vaccinated people are at a very, very low risk of getting COVID-19. Therefore, if you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. We have all the vaccines we need. We just need our people to take it. A, for their own protection, for the protection of their family, but also to break the chain of transmission. You want to be a dead end to the virus. So when the virus gets to you, you stop it. You don't allow it to use you as the stepping stone to the next person. I think given the country as a whole, the fact that we have now about 50% of adults fully vaccinated and about 62% of adults having received at least one dose as a nation, I I'm, I feel fairly certain you're not going to see the kind of surges mm-hmm. we've seen in the past. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized. You're not going to be in an ICU unit. And you're not going to die. You're okay. You're not going to. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. Welcome to the Daily Wrap Up concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, May 18th, 2020, thank 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Some interesting topics to discuss today, some very intriguing developments that are exposing what you probably already know that is also being kind of quietly ignored because of other topics as you might have expected. But some really interesting developments in regard to specifically a, well, to start off today, a really, really alarming and like like skin crawling kind of a video that was just released by the U.S. government that outlines how they lie to you, how they manipulate and steal and rob and do whatever they can in order to fight for freedom. This is, of course, the over the overarching point that they don't even say in the video, by the way. But just the, they basically just may want you to know quietly in a way that almost makes it look like it's a fake story because that's kind of how a lot of people regarded it in the beginning, that they're, they're, they're behind the scenes, lying and deceiving in order to make things happen the way they're supposed to. I mean, think Ukraine, think COVID-19, think literally anything. Except when you point at one of these discussions and say, couldn't they be lying about that? Oh, you're fake news, conspiracy. Except they literally just said that's what they do. 
The U.S. government has admitted that during Biden's administration, you know, we, you know, information war and you know, all the framing. Except then when it comes to pass where you have the possibility to say, could that be this? You're crazy. <laughs> Absolute Looney Tunes, except we just ex- decided that it was real. It's, 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 it's meant to be ridiculous. It leaves you feeling like you're losing your mind when in reality you're more sane than anybody around you because you're just being objective and acknowledging, well, they just said that they lie. And then when I say they lie, I'm crazy. It's everything else we're talking about. Well, you'll see it as we go through every story today and any other story we talk about, because it's we've gotten to a point to where war is peace. Ignorance is strength, at least as they frame it. If you don't know the reference from 1984, it basically just means the inverse of the reality. That's I mean, we all see that's where we are. It's very interesting. So we're going to start with this video. It's only three minutes to show you to set the tone today for what they're doing in every possible field, controlling your perception. You could pretend they think that's for some greater good. Maybe they actually do, but it still means they're lying to you. And that shouldn't be okay. But the primary focus today is going to be COVID-19. We're going to start off with a really big story that, that I give full credit. I don't want to misquote his name. I'll show you when we get there. In regard to the DOD with the CDC, essentially going back and inflating numbers of previous years. Of course, I, I don't even need to finish the sentence. You're all thinking exactly why they would do that. Because what we're seeing in 2021 and 2022 is crazy. And there's no explanation. Hepatitis exploding everywhere. We don't even know why. Mysterious brain diseases. Nobody knows why. We're baffled. <laughs> Except the obvious correlation, the thing that got inserted into our society that seems to correlate with every weird, unexplainable problem that nobody wants to talk about. But this is specifically, I mean, I shouldn't even have started it like that because that talks about the si- the adverse events, the effects of it. What we're talking about in this discussion is the, the, I mean, I guess that would fall into the same category, but just the detrimental effects of the injection, but also the lack of what they say it's supposed to do in any context, but the increasingly sickly nature of people taking these injections, the dysregulation of the immune, sim- uh, immune system, uh, lymphocyte, or is it lymphocytopenia? I may be misquoting the term, but it's dysregulating your immune system. This is peer-reviewed science finding this stuff. They just don't talk about it. So the bottom line is they have to go back and change the numbers of previous years to make it look like we're not dealing with a pandemic of the injected right now. No, the ambulatory visits and the hospital visits of normal people were just about the same back then, except they weren't though, by millions of people. And and I, I'll show you right now, we get into it and compare the different numbers and show you that they were just different. 2018, 2008, 16, the previous years of comparison just suddenly gained a few million numbers out of nowhere. I mean, it's just, it's I've never seen it this obvious in my life. Of course, I'm sure they've got some kind of an explanation, but why would we take it at face value? But of course, I'm also going to talk about something that has been a central part of this illusion the entire time that I've made multiple points on. It's a little bit repetitive, but I haven't talked about this in months, but it's the emergency use authorization, which it's, I think it's important for us to reiterate the reality of the 90 day cycle of this and how they've missed it again since we've talked about it at least two different times where there's been a week lapse in one case, an entire week where there was no emergency uh, stated emergency or the, excuse me, the renewal of that emergency, which technically means it should have gone away. But it also means that everything they were using under that emergency authorization was illegal. But nobody cares about this stuff because they don't care about this stuff. It's just a narrative. But we're also going to finish with the pandemic of the injected, the pandemic treaty discussion, and a couple of other interesting points in regard to 
the obvious nature of how this is being built, using the things there, what we just discussed and everything else you could point at, all pointing in the same direction right now. Of course, the pandemic treaty is all around your health, but do not miss how that ties into the larger point. It's a means to an end. Obviously, the biosecurity state is a central part of the control, but once they get you invested in the digital ID system, the passport system, whether vaccine, climate change, whatever they want, this is the control matrix for the new structure being built, and they're not even hiding that from you. They just say it's for your best interest. Most Americans, if not all of them, do not want this, and we'll show you where that's going. The food supply issues, the energy issue, all these things tied around to the same point, and they're blaming it on Putin and Omicron. That's all you get today except the obvious reality with the smallest due diligence shows you this has been happening long before we got here. And it is near impossible that just that one location is causing everything they're dealing with today. It's all being created at the very least exacerbated, which is probably the same thing. But let's start off today with this video, which I think is really interesting. Now, this video it, it is legitimate. I mean, I'll show you the, the, the site and what it says and everything, but this is coming from the U.S. military, specifically, I believe, the Army. But this is the psychological operations. If you don't know what PSYOP is, it means, it means psychological operation. Now, the Psy War is like a psychological warfare, and there's, there's divisions in the Navy, in the Army, and, in every, and pretty much every one of them that has a division for psychological warfare, which just, it's basic. I mean, here, why don't we start like that? What is it? What does it actually mean? Oops, hold on. Before we start the video, I just recreated the page. Oops. Okay. Psychological warfare. Let's just look at what the, what the general, you know, what it says at the first look on Google. Psychological warfare or the basic aspects of modern psychological operations have been known by many other names or terms, including military information support operations. That's not the part I wanted to get at. I want to get to the breakdown of what they're saying. Just, you know, what the normal mainstream definition of it is. It's, it says, the term is used to denote any action which is practiced mainly by psychological methods with the aim of invoking, evoking a planned psychological reaction in other people. Now, even that, doesn't that make you uneasy that your government, I mean, I mean, even the reference right here comes directly from, a, from Goebbels, the, the Nazi discussion. Weirdly enough, how they're now saying that Putin operates from Goebbels' playbook. Like, it's so clumsy the way they're trying to just... just the open neo-Nazis pointing the other direction. But the funny part about this is we're talking about psychological manipulation. That's what it means. There's no positive way about that. Now, you could try to argue they're doing it to other people, other countries, but isn't that still, in a sense where you're not at war, a bad thing? Yes, it is. You, could, you, you can't keep pretending they're doing it for freedom while they're stealing and raping and pillaging, burning wheat fields and bombing locations and blockading entire countries, right? It's all for freedom. But the bottom line is they're doing this to you. And that's what this video is. You are the direct, you are the focal point of their, of their efforts, guys. Just since, since 9-11, but I mean, for as long, far as all I know, for, for all I know, it's always been like that. But what we are seeing post 9-11, post COVID-19, is that you are the focus, focal point. As Whitney said, your body is the new battlefield. So psychological warfare is, in, is a manipulative setting where they will try to use Whatever's in front of them, prop up media, real world action. I mean, you could literally anything to emotionally manipulate you into going in a certain direction. And whether that's for your best interest or not, 
That's something that we shouldn't be okay with. Shouldn't that be your choice as an American, seeing as how these people are technically supposed to work for you, how they're supposed to be the embodiment of your collective will? That's ridiculous. And we all see that, especially as it gets more abstract into things like the CIA. Like, let's pretend like voting has any issue on or any influence on what they ultimately do or the black market money and drug sales and trafficking they use to fund their operations. But I digress. The point is, this is what this leads back to, guys. This kind of stuff is being directed at you. Now, I'm, I'm, it's only three and a half minutes, so I'm not really going to try to stop it. I might if I have something to say, but I'll try to let it play out. So let's take a look at this. It's called Ghost in the Machine. It opens with a quote from Sun Tzu. Your opponent is Chloric or Braddock. Seek to irritate him. Pretend to be weak that he may grow arrogant. As the world watches and listens in horror, the peaceful pro-democracy demonstration in China comes to a violent and bloody end. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Wolves hiding nearby Whispering do or die That is the symbol of the army, I believe, the PSYOPs division. I'm pretty sure I've seen Corbett reference that. But, I mean, just first stop, isn't this just in itself? I mean, it's ominous. It's meant to be ominous. It's meant to be dystopic. Like, this is some kind of futuristic... <clears throat> I mean, that's. I mean, that's not how... That's if that's the emotion that it's meant to invoke. And if you listen to anybody talking about it, you know, discussing it, what does it mean? Everyone gets that feeling from this. So why would you put on a video from from the military that's supposed to be arguably your protectors, right? The defending the country and aim it at Americans and make it scary? Why would you do that? Why would you make it seem unsettling and talk about who's pulling the strings and fund the shadows? And it's all this really weird cloak and dagger kind of stuff. Now, again, their argument I'll get to in a minute, I'm getting ahead of myself, is ultimately that, you know, this video in and of itself is probably one of the things, this is the PSYOP, right? Whether or not this is what, like, the objective is what they say it is, the video itself is meant to be something that's influencing you in a certain direction, maybe the fact that we're talking about it. But I just wanted that first point to be clear. What's the end game here? What's the benefit to you? Does this make you safer? Does this make you more informed? Neither of those things are true. So they're aiming this at you, guys. I just need that to be clear. That's not okay. There's no positive end here. There's no benefit to Americans for why they're doing this. It's either to influence you to think that they're doing right for you, even though they're clearly directing these things at you, whether this video or everything else we know, or they're trying to scare you into thinking that there's more coming negatively. So just, I don't know, fall apathetically back into the trust of the government. I could rattle off a thousand different things you could assume about it or guess, so let's watch the rest of it. I won't stop it again. It's meant to be alarming. Me. World is war. Who's driving now? They find us in the shadows. Which is not usually where honest people reside, right? Get the spirit, they say. You say Sorry, one last stop just since I said that. Honestly, I shouldn't say oddly. I mean, China is, if not above, right up there with the U.S. government and the same kind of stuff. That's why I tend to think there's more coordination around all this between them more than anybody today. But it's interesting how they focus on that in this video. 
it seems like an odd one to focus on with everything going on, right? I mean, it just seems interesting, but you know, there's plenty of things you could point out. All the world is a stage. Do not miss the importance of something like that. Why would they say that? Because they are dictating the play that is on that stage or trying to, which means everything is fake. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean that absolute, but you know, it means everything means nothing and nothing means everything. That's it's just this way that they've built this all now that you just have to trust what they're putting forward, right? They're, we're in an information war. So we're allowed to lie to you for good reasons, but we can't point out that you might otherwise lie in other circumstances because that's conspiracy theory. It's ridiculous. All the world is a stage. I don't know why you would trust anybody if everyone's acting. There is another very important phase of warfare. It has as its target, not the body, but the mind of the enemy. Yep. The target of psychological warfare is against the enemy's mind. It is words and ideas. The ammunition used by Cywar. Its mission is to influence the thoughts of the enemy soldiers. And at the same time, is expected and encouraged to study foreign languages and the social sciences such as history, economics, and sociology. He must have a broad and sympathetic understanding of all phases of human experience. Gripping at my skin, the walls of night close in. The obvious question there, guys, is what what's the in, in the the assumption you're supposed to make is all those things are for good reason influence inspire manipulate deceive for, for freedom though is the implication there what if that's not what they're trying to do or what if it is and the person doing it doesn't have good intentions why do we allow this level of deception like i understand in warfare that there's other people from bad guy sides doing it that's what we're supposed to think if that's even the reality if one country wasn't just destroying everything all the time it could be naive in that thought process but then nonetheless the point is <clears throat> the end of the day it's it's dishonest tactics right shouldn't we rise above and be but you know I, I mean i don't want to be too naive about it i just want to make sure we're aware however the justification that this is a a deceptive dishonest setting in and of itself and it, it is being aimed at you even if it is being used for good around the world if you want to think like that deceiving you for their end as they just told you right Smith Modernization Act and so on. They will continue to deceive you for their end and pretend it's for good. But the use of this force as an integral part of combat has now taken on new form. Catch that last time. I'm pretty sure that's meant to be the Joker right there, which is obviously is that from the Joker? You guys tell me. Oh, I forgot to open the chat today. Interesting, right? Because we know that we know the. I'm sorry, I, I you know I always stop it. I have to make my comments. What's interesting to me is that the Joker has these interesting over, you know, overtones. Sorry, I'm opening the chat. Has interesting, you know, it was obviously weirdly connected with some kind of like, I mean, I even, I, I almost feel like they tried to connect the Joker, the movie, the Joker and everything else around it with some kind of like 4chan mentality, right? They really did. They tried to make that the case. So if it's the fact that it's in this video, I find kind of interesting. If that's the case, so let me know in the chat. I'm pretty sure that's it. ...part of combat has now taken on new form. We are everywhere, basically. 
That is just intense. I mean, that is meant to be disconcerting. Why is that? Why are you paying for that with your tax dollars, right? That doesn't even make sense to me. Cywar. I mean, it's them right there. But check. I mean, look at this, guys. Look at how weird and ominous that is. Are we? See, are they kidding? Like, why is that supposed to be something that makes you feel good about what's going on? That's alarming. I mean, that's like that. That's a horror movie you're looking at right there. The quiet woods and the men in white mask. I mean, that's or or how about the white supremacy? subliminal messaging there or the idea of the you know this is all all this stuff that i mean that's just how i would take it with what's going on in the world today the men in white masks and the you know the whole thing but who knows you know i just everyone's going to take what they want from this but the the something the, what, what you can't miss in this is they want you to feel uncomfortable they want you to feel alarmed scared disconcerted at the end of the day i would argue it's because they want you to feel like they're defending you and fighting for you but at the same time making you feel very uncomfortable about where we are which works perfectly for them. Now, in yeah, the purge, exactly. I mean, that, these are all kind of the same. Like, so let's listen to James Evan Pilato, media monarchy. Media monarchy. He always has good takes every time the purge season comes around about how those movies are meant to influence you. I mean, anyway, I just this this is so every everything about that. I mean, in every possible way, this video was very on the nose. I mean, it's like exactly what they want. They want you to feel like the world's falling apart, that the only people there to save you are the very people that have been lying to you your entire life. But see, that's why they're just now beginning to openly admit that they're lying. But for good reasons, though, right? It's, it's just like with Trump, you know? Yeah, yeah, well, we're, it's, we're, we don't care about Khashoggi because we have to sell weapons to Saudi, of course, right? Or we, it's all about the oil. We got to steal the oil. Or all the things they used to never say out loud. Now, today, the same thing. Now, Biden telling you it's, oh, it's going to get tough. You have to higher gas prices because of our war. They never used to say the truth like that, at least part of it. Now they're coming out and saying, yeah, of course we lie for the war. We lie to you for freedom. I mean, it's just interesting, isn't it? So now they're coming out and they're basically saying, yeah, we're very dishonest, but we're dishonest for you. <laughs> isn't that interesting? This is an interesting turn in the way that they're, they're framing themselves. It's almost like they're taking the negative bad things they do and turning it into good when they do it. Sound familiar? Everything we ever talk about. Ignorance is strength. War is peace. It's where we are today, guys. Just like this. Just I feel like I want to talk about just this video for four hours. It's really, something about this is unsettling. But here is the actual page for PSYOP Group official YouTube channel for the four psychological operations, airborne and so on. Now here is one of the articles that covered this. There's a few of them out there, but it's very obviously not covered by just about any corporate media. 
which I find very telling. Mysterious U.S. Army PSYOP recruiting video has critics scratching their heads and wondering about its real intent. This is May 16th. This is a recruitment video made by the U.S. Army Fort Bragg's 4th Psychological Operations Group Airborne, PSYOPs, which, by the way, in and of itself was something that was fake news until not, talked about an effort involving witchery. Very weird. PSYOPs, or PSYCHOPs, as they put it there, is the group that focuses on ways in which the military can use mental and emotional manipulation to try and fight the enemy at the same time that traditional ground forces are. Now, enemy means whoever they're focusing on. You, won't, I mean, of course, you want my honest opinion. You, my belief, you are the enemy today, and you always have been to a degree. Anybody that does not toe the line is an enemy in their mind, whether you're in Iran or in the United States. I think that's becoming very clear today. The video titled Ghosts in the Machine, which, again, in and of itself is an interesting kind of t- nod to, I don't know, you could think of cyber, cyber, cyber attacks, or at the same time, the idea that they're the ones in the machine. The ghost in the machine tends to mean anomalies, historically speaking, right? The ghost in the machine could mean a couple different things, and I've seen it framed that way. It could mean an anomaly, right? The, 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 the glitch which can otherwise be seen as something that's not a glitch, but rather a, a, a unique difference. But the bottom line is it could mean that. It could mean like people talk about it like an AI direction. But what I've always understood it as is a anomaly, right? A pro- something that happened that you don't can't explain, but the bottom line is they're claiming they are the ghost in the machine. Does that mean they're going to disrupt what's happening and blame it on somebody else? I mean, there's a lot of in symbolism and metaphor in what they're doing there but described by the Charlotte News Observer as a kind of conspiracy theory movie trailer with the tagline, all the world is a stage. Join us. So as, I mean, this is, they're trolling you also, right? As they're screaming, we're all conspiracy theorists and yelling down things that are peer-reviewed science, factual evidence and saying fake news, conspiracy theory, disinformation. They're caught, they're put out a video that is might in and of itself is framed. I mean, if you were making this video yourself, and said, this is what they do, they'd call you a conspiracy theorist. They come out with it and say, this is what we do, and it's absolute. It's all perspective, isn't it? It's all who is it, you know, where you're, what position you're coming from. But they're calling it a conspiracy theory movie trailer. The PSYOPs website says that they use informational warfare, which is like fake news and the like. <laughs> so even this article is going, yeah, so they lie to you. They create fake news for psychological manipulation. That's not just against bad guy countries if you believe they're actually bad guys. It's against everybody because they, they need the world to believe the narrative, not just the guys that they're fighting. More importantly than anything, they need you to believe what they want you to believe about what they're doing. That's what their actual job is. Quote, we use all available means of dissemination from sensitive to high tech to low tech to no tech and methods from overt to clandestine to deception. As one article observed about the PSYOPs video, quote, here's the odd thing. Clandestine army units like this, in capitals, don't make recruiting material because that material brings unwanted attention. Yeah, exactly. The pipeline said this. They said, quote, have you ever seen an official Delta Force recruiting video? Exactly. So the question, obviously, is why now? Why? Why do they want you to know that they're lying? Why do they want you to know that they're deceiving as a matter of policy? a good question. Now, going forward, just want us to think about what they have said. And this is the same thing, guys, about what they've said to you, what they've literally verbatim said they are going to do next, what they said they're going to do with COVID, what they said they are going to do overseas. 
listen to them, guys. When they're telling you what they're going to do, listen. It doesn't always mean they're telling you the truth, but you damn well better pay attention when they're telling you verbatim what's going to happen next. Because that could mean they want you to think that, or it could mean because they're telling you what they're going to do. In any case, you should pay attention. My point is that they've told you what's coming next with the Great Reset, implantables, technocracy, everything. They've told you. Just because some joker on CNN or Fox News laughs about how what a conspiracy theory that is as these things become real the next day. Listen to your gut, to your brain, to your intuition. Here's what William Casey, former CIA director, said, and this is real. Quote, we'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. Now, you, you, I've, had this, I've heard this discussed in a... In a um, uh, hyperbolic way that, you know, maybe didn't mean literally everything, but the idea of kind of like in a hyperbolic discussion that we'll know we've achieved our goal when, when, you know, what they think is false, basically. Either way you want to take that, they're talking about intentionally driving you in the wrong direction for their interest. Even if you want to naively pretend that interest is for the collective good. <laughs> I always throw that out there. I just think it's naive to pretend that seeing as how our history has been very clear of the opposite of that. But bringing this over from there, so keeping that in mind throughout the entire show today, right? The lies they spin for their own agenda. DHS bracing for nationwide violence after Supreme Court Roe versus Wade ruling. Oh, you mean that leaked document that was put out for exactly this purpose? <laughs> what a shocker. I mean, just this is just one of the most, this is, this is more embarrassingly obvious than January 6th. I mean, the idea that they can intentionally release a document, with, it doesn't even say we know what's going to happen, but we might do this. And, 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 and rightly, and by the way, I, don't, I did not see this explode in the social media sphere until the media made it a topic, right? The media said this and that, and they're going to do this, and we can't allow that. And all of a sudden, it became a, the old classic wedge issue they always knew it would be or always knew that it was, that we hadn't talked about in a while, right? They knew this was deeply invested in the identity of people that stupidly identify with the two-party paradigm. I shouldn't say it like that, but you know my opinion. So they knew if they jammed this into your, into your discussion, and people would immediately be so defensive that it would take over their entire conversation. Now, that doesn't mean it's not important. Obviously, it's important. I had discussion of this with Richie Allen uh, yes, yesterday or the day before. And, you know, it's all these are very nuanced, hard discussions. I mean, they, especially when you it's like talking about hate speech and the discussion of free speech, like not hate speech necessarily, but the discussion of free speech. It's a hard line to walk, one that we all should walk. But it is definitely a difficult one when you really put it to the test and walk that hard line of whether you'll protect really disgusting speech. Same thing here. It's a difficult situation, but people should stand by what they believe in. But the bottom line is they're putting this out so we attack each other. Now, here's what's interesting to me about all this. When this comes to pass, they're already bracing for violence and putting fences up around different things. For what? Not that I'm not saying that I'm diminished that people act out in violence. Certainly could happen. I'd be skeptical about whether it was driven by some kind of funded organization. But my, th my point is, what is happening that's worthy of that? I shouldn't even say it like that because people care enough. My point is that this is the process the way it's supposed to go, right? There's not some illegal action happening here. People weren't put in place that are being questioned. It's not like they're saying that this is regime change. The bottom line is the court process did what it's supposed to do. And they rule, they and, and and when they then rule on this one way or the other, that's the outcome. Now you can disagree with that. You can disagree to in the, the whole essence of your being. You can protest and you can stand up and you can say it's wrong and you can express yourself, but the bottom line for people to act to expect this to become some kind of violent act 
It just shows you how childish and broken this has all become. So you don't get your way, so you stomp out and burn things? Well, yeah, that's the point. That's what they want from us right now. Now, what would be the reverse? Right? Something happens. Let's just say it goes the other way. And all of a sudden, you got the Republicans out there screaming, which I don't even think would happen in this case, but say, oh, well, that's wrong. And we're going to stomp and do that. What would they say? What have they classically said? Just like the discussion with Twitter and everything else. We'll go vote then. Right? You don't like it? We'll go out and vote then. Go out and protest. Right? You don't like it? Go make your own platform. Right? We've heard all this. Now, I, obviously, that's a partisan point in this context, but I, it's bigger than that, as always. I don't think it's ever really rooted in one side or the other, but that's my opinion. So in this case, why is it that they get to have this outlandish reaction to say that this is all wrong because the wrong guy's in position? Well, did he illegally get there? I see. I'm sure that they could make an argument for that. But at the end of the day, it's on. It's all going the way it's supposed to. So this, guys, is this. This is the side where this is being used against you to create division, to create distraction on a topic that is happening in a, in a legal sense. Just because they don't like it doesn't mean it suddenly is something that you would expect this kind of reaction from. Now, on the note of disinformation, here is an interesting development I'm sure you've all seen already. Homeland Security, quote, paused, which is really important to hear because whether or not they're the person stepping down, all this different, it's not gone. This, in my opinion, for the disinformation board pausing, is just a quiet pause because we were not ready for it. Right. They knew that we would push back. They saw the response. They knew that they, this is testing the water like everything else. Ten years ago. Hey, how about implantables? Oh, you're not ready for it. We'll step back. Right. Oh, whoa, whoa. we won't talk about it for another couple of years. This is the same thing. They're going to put this on pause for three months or whatever they said. Why that long? Because they want you to forget about it. The level of 24 hour news cycle that's going to happen between then and now. You won't even know your name by the time this comes back up. And they're going to do a new thing. They're going to call it something else. They're going to, that's what they always do. But the story is they paused the newly created disinformation governance board, you know, the ministry of truth after its leader came under online attack. I mean, think about how embarrassing it is to literally create a disinformation governance board while we have been calling this 1984. It's like they are actually using that as a guideline. <laughs> it's just play one, two, and three guys. I, I'm increasingly thinking less and less of their intelligence level, but Disinformation Governance Board under pause, so says the Washington Post, because of attacks on their leader. That's what the Washington Post is saying. Okay, so the woman that was put in the position was attacked because you're doing it, and so they have to pause it. Well, interestingly enough, that's quite different than what other people are saying, which I think is the truth here, based on what most of even corporate media is reporting, that the new disinformation board paused amid questions about free speech. Ah, okay. So they really would love to make this about the person being attacked and we have to defend her. And that's a perfect reason why we need this board. That's how they want you to take that, right? She got attacked so mercilessly on social media that she had to step down. And that's not what happened, okay? Free speech is an important concept for people that believe in what this country pretends to represent, okay? So when they stepped up and did this and said, we're going to create a board that's going to dictate whether you are allowed to say things, which, and then stupidly called that free speech, it's not even remotely free speech. People rightly got really upset, and they put this clownish woman in position who is obviously on very one very clear side of the false two-party paradigm, which is not, I mean, even within that, it's not, I mean, it's such a joke. And obviously, people got so upset that they were forced to step back with this. And then when they paused it, she was forced to step down, not the other way around. 
Now, it says the Department of Homeland Security on Wednesday paused a new and controversial board's work on disinformation and accepted the resignation of its leader, capping weeks of concerns about impinging on free speech rights and, at times, frenzied conspiracy theories about the board itself. So they they couldn't even help themselves. See, was it about free speech or did you stop it because conspiracy theories? Like, why does that make sense? Are we going to pretend the government said, oh, you're overwhelming us with your conspiracy theories. We're going to pause this for a minute. Yeah, right. That would be the reason they would rush it forward. It's just, it's, it's almost like saying the very reason, it, I, I, I could theorize all day. The point is the, you write that afterward to continue this. This is not going away. They're keeping you thinking, oh, it's such a problem. We need this board to dictate what's real and not because I can't think for myself. I don't even think anybody actually believes that or thinks like that. There's some phantom person out there. I shouldn't say that. There's a very small percentage. Let's put it that way. I happen to know some people in my life. But it says the Disinformation Governance Board's director, Nina Jankowitz, wrote in a resignation letter Wednesday that the board's future was uncertain. That's today. According to the email, while the board has not formally been shuttered, it will be reviewed by members of a DHS advisory council that's expected to make recommendations in 75 days. 75 days. Why do you need 75 days to just look at this very basic reality and make a decision? There's a reason it takes 75 days. They want you to forget about why this was a problem. They want to just bring this back up with nuanced changes and it's quiet. they're probably going to quietly put it back in under the new on the auspices of some other group. I'm just guessing, but it's a weird thing to do. The Washington Post first reported the board's pause. So we'll see what happens. The bottom line is the people spoke. Just like we did with COVID around the idea that most people were very clear about not wanting this injection. And that's why they had to force, coerce, threaten, and attack people to get it. And still, it paused out about 60-70%. That's obvious. Same thing here. So watch for it. It will come back. But maybe this is why they paused it. Maybe, just maybe, it's because it wasn't going the way they thought it would. Right? That turned out the way you wanted? Nope. Right? It didn't happen the way they wanted it to, quite possibly, that, that people started pointing at the things that they were saying and going, well, that's blatantly false. Where are you at, disinformation board? Oh, weird. You're not talking about that one? Oh, weird. You're pointing at this peer-reviewed science over here? Why don't you recognize how that he's lying to you or barely able to tie his own shoes and says things that are fake all the time? Well, I actually think this is part of it. Uh, this is the uh, zero hedge. The White House admits it lied about vaccines. And I love how they frame this. It's, we didn't lie. We just misstated the facts. (laughs) Oops. As rampant inflation continues to kick Americans in the teeth, which is not by accident, it's not Putin or Omicron, it's their actions and or lack thereof, the Biden administration can't stop doing victory laps over how much they've accomplished by taking credit for things that were already in motion. Which, by the way, is not unique to Democrats. It's a basic government ridiculous tactic to just step in and take credit for anything they can manufacture. So this is what I said. That I actually predicted this would happen. You shut down everything and then open it back up and then go look at that in historic rise to a position that's lower than where we started. But look at that rise, though. <laughs> yeah, it went up a huge percentage because it went from nothing to something. That's pretty obvious. But it's still lower than before you destroyed the economy. So let's be real. But that's not what governments do. But it says on Thursday, the White House patted itself on the back once again, bragging about 8.3 million jobs on the fastest decline in unemployment to start a president's term in history. 
as Zero Hedge rightly points out, the obvious natural reaction to the government's job-killing pandemic restrictions suddenly being lifted. It's not very hard to see, so that's a, they're just, again, that's a lie. It's dis- misrepresentation. But wait, they also lied, claiming that when Biden took office, quote, millions were unemployed and there was no vaccine available. They've already spun this lie before. In fact, they've already been called out for it before. So I, I think Biden may have just slipped up and said this on accident. Because it seemed to be really dumb for them to say the same lie again after already being called out for it. But sure enough, that's what he did. Here's what it says. When President Biden took office, millions were unemployed and there was no vaccine available. Well, to that point, it wasn't just Biden. They literally said this in the White House tweet. So there's some kind of White House aide who just said that ridiculous line, even though it's blatantly false. Even they had to correct it, as it says right here. So right here it says, we previously misstated (laughs) that vaccines were unavailable in January 2021. We should have said they were not widely available. Oh, so you made the same mistake twice now? Oops, we accidentally forgot to say widely again. (laughs) Come on, guys. This is such blatant deception. They're liars. They want to take credit for the very thing that they screamed they would not take when Trump was making it. Right? Don't forget about that. Do I still have that somewhere? Yeah, check this out. I think it's going to be a very skeptical American public about taking the vaccine, and they should be. We can't trust the president uh, and take his word and take a vaccine that might cause harm to us. If and when the vaccine comes, it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. Let's just say there is a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well. I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? We will need to have access to the vaccine results so we can make our independent assessment to make sure that Donald Trump's uh, fingerprints are not on it. You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. Is the vaccine safe? Uh, Frankly, I'm not going to trust the federal government's opinion. And I wouldn't recommend to New Yorkers based on the federal government's opinion. It's just incredible. Of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency. Would you trust that vaccine? There's very little that we can trust that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. We cannot take for granted this process will be free of political influence. I don't trust right. the president. But now we can, apparently. I don't trust the FDA. If Donald Trump can't give answers and the administration can't give answers to these three questions, the American people should not have confidence. You're going to say that the Many of the same people, people now, in those positions. Here's a vaccine. It was new. It was done quickly. But trust this federal administration and their health administration that it's safe? I will say that I would not trust Donald Trump. How confident are you in the approval process of the FDA right now? How confident am I? Uh, I'm not that confident. Yes, I would be hesitant, but I'm going to ask a lot of questions. You're going to need someone other than this FDA and this CDC saying it's safe. You've got to make all of it available to other experts across the nation so they can look and see. So there's consensus this is a safe vaccine. What I'm worried about is that there's some sort of October surprise and that there is a pressure put on the decision makers here to announce the vaccine in October of 2020. We're going to put together our own group of doctors and medical experts to review the vaccine and the efficacy and the protocol. And if they say it's safe, then I'll go to the people of New York and I will say it's safe. But if Donald Trump tells us I should t- that we should take it, I'm not taking it.
I mean, it's just so childishly stupid, right? Oh, you know what their process was? Well, the moment Biden got elected, it was all safe and effective, safe and effective, of course, because Biden's there, right? And now it's ours because we did it and we made it. And nothing's available until he got in office. I mean, it's just childish. And people want to toe that line because they hate Trump. That's the bottom line of it all. I hate them all. I think they're all stupid. But I'm honest enough to point out that, yes, it was there during Trump's administration, and I thought it was dangerous then, and it's still dangerous now. Operation Warp Speed was dangerous when we started, and it's still dangerous now. It's obvious. And he's still pointing at that as his triumph. Biden now takes credit for the same thing. Are we, are we missing the reality? It's obviously a deception, guys. It's, 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 they, they have tricked everybody in, just, in some level, because many people aren't buying it, but they've tricked people in the partisan sides to all of them promoting it. They want to think it's Trump, so a good vaccine. They want to think it's Biden's good vaccine. What's the core? What's the the common line there? Good vaccine. They want you to believe it's good and safe and effective. So they didn't misstate anything. They reiterated their lie and got caught for it again. So if if they're saying I don't trust the FDA, well, what changed? Nothing, in fact, because most of the people in those positions are the same. Most of them. In, 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 I mean, the reality of it is that a lot of these people, I mean, from Fauci, I mean, there's a lot of different people from the, from the FDA, from the CDC, from all these different positions that are the same people. So what changed is narrative, as always, guys. But maybe that's why they rolled back their disinformation board, because it would be used against them. Oh, and just in case you cared about how obviously Twitter is exactly what we always thought it was, Audit finds half of Joe Biden's Twitter followers are fake, according to the New York Post. But you know what the part of the story that's not going to be included? That you'll find the same thing for every single one of them, including Trump. But, of course, partisan ruins everything. <laughs> How the world goes. But the bottom line is, yes, half of his 222 million followers are apparently, as an audit shows, bogus. But then, of course, that discusses who the audit was done by, what it actually is the metric using to decide what's fake or not. Look, I'm not de- denying even remotely that this entire platform is completely overrun with bots from all sides, dictating and manipulating the conversations and so on. But depending on who is doing it, of course, they're going to lean and, and, and I mean, don't let's not forget the infamous discussion of the, you know, I, I just referenced this before, of like Syrian girl being called a bot, you know, and it's it's it tends to be focused on talking points from either side that does this. Right. Are they bots because they just blindly repeat what Biden says or are they bots because they're actual bots that are just reposting what he says? Very different. Now, the other conversation on top of that, guys, which I know is the point of all this. Anonymity, anonymity is not the same thing as being a bot. But notice that not even Elon Musk is making that distinction. If all of this amounts to is you're no longer allowed to be anonymous and they do it from a Republican angle to make it act like we're fighting Democrat bots, you're all being tricked into removing your anonymity. And what does that point to? The damn great reset like everything else. Digital IDs, lack of anonymity. You're, I mean, this is all of it, guys. Mark my words, that's where this is going. And as all the hardcore conservatives that don't want to recognize this is part that Elon's not their savior, screaming, well, look, we got him, we got him. It's all going to amount to, in my opinion, exactly what we think it will. The removal of your anonymity, the verification of your online identity, your digital ID, the passport structure, social credit, it's all going in the same direction. I don't want to be right about that, but sadly, I'm pretty sure that we are. But if you want to make this a partisan point, that's obviously there for you. But the reality is, it's all like this. And it's not just Twitter, guys. Facebook and all the rest of them. They have done this since the moment they realized they were able to do so. That's exactly, by the way, what these guys do. In a 
probably the most prominent part of what they do today is acting from the console as whoever they want you to think they are and massively influencing conversations, upvotes, shares, comments, everything. If they get you thinking something's popular, it affects the way you view it. It's where this all goes. Finally, this, I mean, shouldn't surprise you as well. This is coming from more Project Veritas. Twitter engineers saying Twitter does not believe in free speech. Employees are communist, apparently, revolting against Elon Musk, which, you know, I mean, it just seems an interesting, you know, at this point, guys, I I mean, I've I've always given shout outs to Project Veritas because if you got them on video, it's pretty hard. I mean, you should question everything. You know, who knows whether it's accurate or at this point being faked or staged. I mean, it's always a possibility, whatever side it comes from. If you're only doing that to left things from inside the two-party paradigm, then you're lying to yourself. I'm not suggesting that that's this. I'm pretty sure this is real because they have a good good track record of the videos being exactly what you think they are. But as we know, these things tend to be, you know, selectively edited in very partisan ways. So I just want us to consider that, you know, at this point now, wondering whether these people are somewhat aware that they're being tricked into these videos, right? Or maybe there's an agreement that we don't know about, right? We have to ask these questions today, right? Just because now these, like the fact that this guy who's working in this platform that is, you know, a defecting liberal Twitter employee, which is kind of like the take on this, it's interesting to argue that they'd be communist. And even then, what does that even mean? Like, what does it mean to say they're communists? Like, I know what that means from a government standpoint, but I, from a partisan standpoint, nobody seems to know what that actually means. They think that means Democrat. When in reality, democracy, communism, it's all the same damn thing, guys, because it centralizes power if you let it happen. There's plenty of examples of socialist communist places around the world that aren't what we pretend they always are and vice versa. It's a partisan manipulation like every damn thing. It's about being intelligent enough to have nuance in the conversation. But the point here is that I think this is important because it's an employee who you can prove is an employee who is telling you they don't believe in free speech. That's the part that I think is important. We also saw these employees that are supposedly revolting against Elon. But let's remember, guys, we don't have much evidence about exactly what's happening. There, This is evidence. And you will. I, I promise you there are employees that are going to act out. But to what degree that's responsible for what we think we're seeing? This whole conversation has gotten so muddled. And I'm wondering what part, how much of this is even real anymore. But as it says, Twitter Exposed was trending, which, you know, doesn't that speak to the opposite of what we're hearing? Elon's not in control. It's funny how when things they like happen, it's because Elon's in control. When it's the other way, it's because they're fighting to revolt against Elon. It's just so perfectly exactly what you would think. But the point, this guy then deletes his account. And now here's another one. Uh, lead client partner says uh, the woke ideology responsible for companies inability to profit. Now that, that I would say makes sense. Like I, the, the idea of a, the woke ideology, which inside the two party paradigm is obviously one side is bigger than the two party paradigm, guys. I think personally, I think that's quite obvious. And this, this has, and then obviously, again, just to say the two party paradigm is an illusion doesn't mean that there aren't Republicans and Democrats, people that actually believe in those things. It just means that it's an illusion and they're being deceived. So my point is, is obviously there are people that associate and, and, and align with those ideologies. And then on that point, it's obvious that Twitter, and plenty of other platforms are overrun with very certain leaning ideologies and in other places, the other direction, right? So my point in saying that is that I believe that, that this ideology of a very hardcore one side leaning mentality is influencing a lot of stuff in all ways in different platforms as well. So when we have this kind of information, we shouldn't dismiss this. 
we need to recognize this is happening, but then stand back and realize that you can be honest enough to know that it's happening in other ways, in other platforms, in the other direction. Like, our, I, I mean, I've already watched myself and called out getting censored on these supposed free speech right platforms twice now. I've been censored from platforms screaming they're free for crying out loud. Band.video kicked me off their platform, guys. Let's be clear about this is not a one-sided thing, okay? But it's still important to realize that it is happening. So watch this for yourself. Now, to start off the um, the focused discussion of of uh, COVID nineteen, this is where th- this is kicking back up again. Now, I put off pretty much everything Ukraine for the next show because this is kicking back up. We can see this becoming the thing. Now, I'm already starting to get the same daily notifications all of a sudden again. Weird how they just stopped out of nowhere. Just not out of nowhere. The moment Ukraine was focused on. Weird how we just stopped getting those daily. Daily death and case reports from every city. Oh, it's daily report. We have four more deaths and every day it was happening, right? And weirdly just died. And then suddenly, a couple of days ago, they started back. Oh, well, we got Ontario's reporting these many deaths. And then no context, of course. And you stand back and look, how many deaths was that? Okay, how many people died from pneumonia? How many people died from other things? Wait, it's more than that. Isn't that strange? So why aren't you screaming about the deaths from tuberculosis? Well, because it's not important to them and the narrative doesn't work that way. See? So it's interesting that they're going, oh, no, these cases are rising. But then when you read it, it's like, but they're not very dangerous. And most people don't get that sick. It's just because COVID-19 is the talking point. So cases that could be dangerous, but clearly aren't, but could be, could be, get the safe and effective, safe and effective. Two new Omicron variants are spreading. Will they drive a new surge? So the headline is, we don't know anything. So be scared, though. That's what, that's what they're telling you. Things are happening, but we don't know anything. So let's talk about it. The subvariants BA4 and BA5 and these these stealth dangerous ones that have been circulating for months now but tomorrow could suddenly be dangerous, right? Especially in unvaccinated people, except that's not even remotely true, possibly causing a spike in infections worldwide. Well, seeing as how right now and for months and months and months now, the vast majority of transmission has been happening amongst vaccinated people. And that's what the UK data shows, what Scotland shows, what Ontario shows, what British what all of them will show if you look if you actually have data. I'm not making this up. I've gone over them repeatedly on the show. It is four times the spread. You're seeing people have four times the risk of transmitting or, or rather c- catching COVID if they have three or more injections in their body or any for that matter. So why exactly would you just suddenly pretend that it's only unvaccinated people that are causing the spikes? The spikes are literally verifiably happening in predominantly vaccinated communities. And they know that. That's why they're so desperate to hide this from everybody. But it's pretty embarrassing. Now this. Oh, come on. Great. I had something in there, but I'm just going to skip that then if it's going to block me. So the point is they're telling you it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. We've got new things that might be, could be, might be. We don't know, though, but be scared. Well, here is what they're doing while they hype up the fear in the background. And in the forefront, this is what they're doing in the background. Okay, this is a great article from, uh, oh, I have it on, here, let me do this. I had on the simplistic view with my highlighter, because some reason when you highlight, I don't need to tell you this, but <laughs> some reason on, on uh, what is it, a medium, something strange happens when you highlight this stuff. But this is coming from Matthew Crawford. You can see I do this and it like duplicates it. I'm not sure why. It's only on medium. But Matthew Crawford entitled Defining Away Vaccine Safety Signals. Now, there's a bigger story here than what I'm going to point out today. And I really hope you'll dive through this and I'm going to go through more of it myself. 
talking about how they've altered definitions and information in order to make these things meet them or remove numbers. I mean, it's very, very obvious. I just want to focus on one point and one takeaway that makes it undeniable that they altered this stuff. Now, again, I'm even going to tell you out the gate that there, there, I guarantee there's an explanation. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> a lot of these things have been completely undiscussed, but there might be an explanation. And what that might be is that they've altered it based on new information or so on, right? But that's not the point. The point is that these things ha- just so happen to be altered right into making the what's currently happening not look bad anymore. Unprecedented. So could it be what they say it is? Of course. But there's no way to prove that. And there's no evidence around it. There's no precedent for it. It's never happened before. And it's weird how it only happens right when this is all exploding in their face, right? Now, here is the article defining away vaccine safety signals. Now, what he's talking about is directly from the DOD, which the CDC has a part of in the back and forth between the information, but this is specifically the DOD classification, which they're, uh, it's called the at health.mil, the Medical Surveillance Monthly Reports, or the MSMR. And this is directly coming from the DOD, their Defense Medical Surveillance System, the DMED. Okay. And all the links are right here, and I'll have them included as well. <clears throat> what it says is this, I'll read this part first. What he discovered while working on the project is the following that at health.mil, there is an archive. One second. They said there's an archive of medical surveillance monthly reports, and you can look at them for yourself going back throughout the years. Once a year in May, the MSMR includes summaries of ambulatory and hospitalization data from these reports, organized by major classifications of medical billing codes, which he has a link in here if you'd like to know what that is and what the codes are. But it's, and it goes over, it says each summary included three period three prior staggered years of data. As you can see, 2016, 18, 20. Same thing in the last ones. Now, this is the 2021 May MSMR. What you'll notice, the numbers here, 19 million, 19 million, 19 million. It's weird how they're all pretty much the same, which doesn't even make sense from a very early perception, The right when you step into it, because a lot changes from 2016, 2020. Population, everything. So the fact that they're basically the same now is a very obvious first start to go, well, that doesn't make sense. And it clearly doesn't. He's what he finds. Going category by category, the 2016 and 2018 data in the table above, this one right here, is substantially higher than their previous reports of the same year and the same information. So when they recapsulate it for the comparison for 2021, weirdly enough, those numbers are way different than what they said last year or the year before. Now, how do you explain that 2016 suddenly gains millions of numbers? Did they just decide to go back and dig through 2016 and change everything? Well, that's his point. If they did change definitions to alter that number, what was the what was the metric? And why did they suddenly do it? And why, how far back does it go? It's obvious what's happening here, guys. The changes which averaged 13.5% per category per year comparison. So a sudden 13% on average change with no justification, no asterisk, brings the 2016 through 2020 data, assuming these five years were all altered in the same way, much more in line with the essentially what we're seeing today. Now, if they hadn't done that, it would stand out as a very sharp increase with previous years. And that wouldn't make sense when you're supposedly getting a life-saving thing that's saving everybody from the problem, right? Now, it says there is no asterisk or explanation, which would never happen in an important database like this. I mean, you can see there's a bunch of asterisks down there, but they don't say anything about this one. I mean, you read them for yourself. 
These are all about, and you'll notice the little asterisks and different things, as you know from other reports, where they like this, and it says relevant Z codes, and you can find the definition down there. They're not notating why these things were increased. What it says is he searched back over a decade and found no other large manipulations. The change in ambulatory reports was more than two orders of magnitude larger than small updates that are typical in the data due to simple issues, like late records filed or redated, which would make sense. But I would, but the, there's no way that would make sense back in 2016. That's like a 2020, 2021, or like, let's say we're in 2022 and we look back at 2021 after the end of the year and realize, oh, these were day outdated or filed. And they were, you know, there is possible changes. That's always possible, but not by millions and not five years ago. It says the most uh, par- uh, parsimonious explanation parsimonious meaning unwilling to spend money or resources is that somebody with control over the reports fraudulently fraudulently manipulated the data in order to mask vaccine associated harms now that's his opinion and i agree that's the most likely act, most likely reality here but think for yourself guys the only thing i'm pointing out to you and i'll show you the actual documents next is that this has been altered in a very alarming and obvious way that there's no explanation for It says, so what are the actual increases in rates of illness? Unfortunately, he says, we cannot know without an investigation of these reports, of the data in them before and after the alterations that showed up in the 2021 MSMR. But there are still some alarming signals in some of those, such as a jump in cases of myocarditis, as we all know, and they've even been forced to admit, should have been immediately apparent in January 2021. But it's not. That doesn't make sense. Down here, it says there was a server mitigation in August for the reports. Now, this is the argument of why there's differences. As of mid-February, the DOD claims a glitch was introduced at that time. A glitch, simple as that. I also worry, he says, that the server mitigation was a way to wipe fingerprints of an engineered data fraud. It goes into a bunch more here. Just the bottom line to know is they claim there was a simple glitch. And that explains certain things, but it does not add up to why 2016 will be altered so aggressively or 2018. It says it is noteworthy the DOD did not mention the mitigation, or excuse me, migration, excuse me, migration to the to PolitiFact when discussing this. Now, if that's the whole reason why there might be some kind of problem, wouldn't that be the obvious first thing to, to discuss with the fact checkers? So it was a glaring omission of the thing they later added the story once this got exposed. That screams what you think it does. It is further noteworthy that their court statement was unsigned, meaning nobody at all was willing to take responsibility for the statement of this migration. It's right down here. And it is insane, he says, the CDC either wasn't examining any of the data, they claim they are, since they didn't recognize the supposed glitch present for months, or willfully ignored it. Right? So they either weren't paying attention, ignored it, because they didn't see it, and they claim this gigantic thing was happening. But here the point is they didn't sign this, and it says the data in the report covering these years specifically had been corrupted during a migration. So you see what they're trying to say. I'll make this point when I look at it next. I think it's the last part right here. <clears throat> if it was corrupt in the migration, why would it only, I mean, why would they have been that way from 2016 all the way to 2020? Well, the migration suddenly happens now, and that updates the numbers to increase their total that's just a blatant lie there's no way that makes sense in january and we and i've talked about this rents testified on behalf of whistleblowers from the dod the funeral homes all the different discussions of what we saw from the military several days later still in january the dod took this report offline 
That's obvious. The data was updated dramatically. And the DOD claimed the glitch story with no other explanation. So millions of increased numbers on a date that's been that way for years. And they just go glitch. On February 14th, I spot, he spots the ahistorical reported data manipulation in the MSMR. March 22nd, he published his first article about what he found. The DOD probably wasn't paying attention. On April 6th, however, he included the MSMR manipulations in his summary of all the dirty data in, the, in his talk during the VRBPAC meeting, which was publicized, right? It has been reported to him that right around that time, the data suddenly went offline again. The rest of the database seems available. I mean, I find this pretty obvious, personally. He finishes by saying that, that the DOD coasted on it's just a glitch without anyone signing the document, taking responsibility, or laying out a complete set of information about why it happened, about the data during that 2021, suggests a high likelihood that something very bad took place. That's what he's saying. I agree. That should be enough to stop the vaccine mandates until a full investigation is complete, at least it would, in a sane world. Interesting report. Now, here's the actual data. Now, here is the one he was showing you, as you can see, 19 million, <clears throat> which, by the way, is interesting. It actually goes down. You lose about, geez, <laughs> what is that, 900,000 going to the neck, going up two years? So the population increases. There's all sorts of other things that are happening that increase problematic problems. 2016, 2018, and you, you lose 900,000. That's This is the current report. That's this is the one that's inaccurate. And then again, it goes down to 2020. Two more years and it goes down again. Then, of course, the point is today, and that, that's the most recent, it's, that's where we are. So here is the overall health.mil page. And you can see it just goes back years and years, 2017 and so on. Here, well, this is the, the main page. It's right here under ambulatory visits. Here's the report. Now explain that to me. <clears throat> explain for me how it's possible that you can have this report. It's citing 2016, 2018 right there. This is the report, as you can see, from, from 2019 May, okay? So <clears throat> that means that 2016 had been posted and the same for years. And it is the same. At this point, it was. 17 million. 16 million, which still went down. So in and of itself, I guess that says it can happen. But the interesting part about it is, that those numbers, not the fact that it would go down again because of whatever else, but that those numbers that have been set in the same for years jump millions to make it just so happen to be similar to what we're dealing with today. Look at that. So just 2016, for those on the podcast, it's, it's stated total of ambulatory visits and, and other, the other numbers included in this, 17,227,000. But suddenly, jump forward all the way to today, 2016 says 19,988,000. That's just not possible, guys. You don't increase 2 million ambulatory visits because of a glitch from five years ago. Six years ago, in fact. Right? Or 2018. Same here today, it says 19,091,000. Well, you go back to the last report of 2019, and it listed as 16,274,000. That's incredible. I mean, this is blatant deception. You are being lied to by your government. They are, they are inflating old numbers to make the new numbers look less damaging. That's the same reason they would use meningitis vaccines as the control in their studies for the dangerous injections they're giving today to make the side effects look less dangerous because if you give them 
saline, well, there's no side effects. So you're not going to get anything that looks sort of bad. You're, you're making it look worse or by kicking people out of the studies if they have early issues, because we now know that the 90% of the problems happen within the first 14, 20 days. So if you kick anybody out before that, that have problems, which is why they did that, why the arbitrary 14 to 21 days period is put in before every injection, that's because they know that's where these things happen predominantly. So it's a, a clear effort to kick down the problem. <clears throat> Bottom line is you're being deceived, guys. Now, here we have Wind Talker <clears throat> admitting something that you should know. And I'm going to talk about this again as we get into the Red Cross thing in a future show. But Wind Talker says, still unvaxxed, no injections at all. But it appears that natural immunity is actually a real thing, which we all know. She says, can somebody please let public health know? Here's her report from actually going and doing this with no injections at her antibody test result. Antibody levels were detected at levels high enough that your plasma may be used as convalescent plasma. <clears throat> you know who can't do that? People with injections in their body, as I played for you a thousand times, right? So if they're not allowed to do that, and a person with no injections has, has high enough antibodies to do that, isn't that a little confusing? Well, it's not if you've been paying attention, but it very clearly seems to undermine everything they're talking about, doesn't it? It shows you that you're being hurt, in fact, that, as this clip says, you're removing antibodies. And your COVID-19 vaccine, you're going to want to listen to this. The Red Cross says anyone who has received their COVID-19 vaccine cannot donate convalescent plasma to help other COVID-19 patients in hospitals. That plasma is made up of antibodies from people who have recovered from the virus, but the vaccine wipes out those antibodies, making the convalescent plasma ineffective in treating other COVID-19 patients. And we definitely have made her famous, by the way. It's funny because I'm seeing people share just that clip where they, and they, you could tell they clearly got it from this show and, and didn't, didn't point out why. It's slightly out of focus. And it just, that's just the clip that I ended up using a long time ago. It's kind of funny. But the point is, that is what the Red Cross said. I proved it in the first show we did, and I'll prove it again as we go forward. And then the, the next show I cover Red Cross. They just censored everything, deleted the pages, and covered things up. It's very obvious. But her point is, here we are, disproving the narrative at every step. Now, here's Ian Miller pointing out deaths in New Zealand, as you know, are rising again and near their record high, despite, of course, 95% of everyone over 12 in the country being fully injected, whatever that means to them today, and a mask mandate for the past nine months, right? Apparently, that's, that's all they're supposed to need. Somehow, no one in the media seems interested in asking how that could possibly be. It's obvious, guys. It's painfully obvious. And this person says, you know, of course, trying their best to just ignore what that clearly shows them. And what's funny about this is it doesn't, statistics are important regardless of the full number. But you can acknowledge that if it's a very low number, that it's easier to manipulate, right? If you're dealing with two people and one of them gets sick, well, you could go 50% of people are getting sick. And that sounds pretty alarming, right? So it's important to recognize what the numbers are, right? But nonetheless, it's still valid. If a country is made up of two people and one of them gets sick, that's 50%. And that matters, right? The point is just to be transparent about that. So my point is when this person steps in and tries to go, it's only this many people you're being deceptive. Isn't that exactly what we've been hearing the entire time and the way the government's been treating this the entire time or using cases instead of deaths and flip-flopping when they want to? It's a, it's, just, it's a willful, it's a choice to acknowledge this when you don't want to see what's being presented. So to present this as the numbers, as they are, 95%, that's still alarming regardless of how low it is. It says New Zealand has 17 deaths on average, which I don't even know what that means on average per week, per month. I mean, just to take her point, when you have such a small number, it only takes a few more cases and 
realize we're not talking about cases, by the way. We're talking about death. So even Robert here is having a hard time wrapping his brain around what we're talking about. It just takes a few more cases to make a huge percentage rise. I guess you could be calling cases and referring to deaths. I, you know, give them benefit of the doubt. Their cases rose 0.9 in a week, less than 1%, right? So again, we're not talking about cases, are we? So when their cases rise 0.9, we're not talking about that. We're talking about people dying. And if you're talking about people dying that are fully injected, and that's 95% of those that are dying, what are we talking? I don't care if that's seven people, 17 people. If there's, if it, it still shows you that what they're saying is not true. Right? It's statistics. Lying with statistics is not saying 95% of people. It's not lying. It's maybe a slight, it's maybe a, a little bit of a misrepresentation if you're not giving them all the picture, but realize that he is though, because you can see the information, the graph, it's got the data there. But this person says, who's lying? New Zealand has less people in it than New York City, but more deaths daily. Exactly. <laughs> right? So you just don't pick out the one thing and be like, that's not fair because they got a small population. Well, so does every so do other comparable places with less problem or higher vaccine and more problem. It's the same point. The bottom line is, if this is the case, and it is, then it shows you that people with the injections are have taking the brunt of the problem. Now, yes, it is fair to point out that if there's more vaccine people, then it'd be a higher percentage, but that's where the risk per 100,000 comes in, just like they used to say before that started not working for them and they hid it from you because it shows you they're the predominant problem right now. The, this trend, the UK data makes it undeniably clear, clear that the risk per 100,000 of getting COVID is exponentially higher in the injected. And, every, and other, other discussions we had, which I'll show you next, Ontario, British Columbia, it's all the same. The percent, the risk per 100,000 is higher. So on top of the percent of the, the majority, these people are the, the higher percentage of the problem. Now you could you could dive into that and dissect certain things and say we're misrepresenting this or that. The bottom line is, guys, if you have to bend over backwards to explain, it, it, this is not what they sold you on, and you all know that. If you have to fight to defend why this thing that's not working is not the same, it's not terrible. <laughs> it reduces slightly your mild problems. It's like that's not even remotely where they sold it to you as, and people are just defending their choices. Somebody else talk, responds to this saying, it's not a secret that the, the vaccinations don't offer 100% protection and nobody ever claimed they did. Well, yeah, they did, bud. And that's the point. And see, it's amazing that people still, they're just jumping from goalpost to goalpost. Maybe he doesn't even know that. But why, why is the argument when you show that this is hurting mostly people that are injected to say that, well, it's not perfect. What does that even mean? Are you admitting then that it's hurting predominantly vaccinated people and that just is what you expected? I mean, I don't even understand the logic of the response. But this person rightly falls up and says, really? Why are people still trying to gaslight others that no one ever promised an effective vaccine in those heady days? of the Here it is right here. There's Albert Borla, you know, the guy behind the, 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 what is he, the CEO, the chairman and CEO of Pfizer, excited to share that updated analysis from our phase three, phase three study showed that our COVID vaccine was a 100% effective. Oops. Now, what you'll know notice is nothing. <laughs> no, oh, you're right. My bad, right? Oh, you're right, Barman. Thanks for informing me because I had the wrong information. No, you never get that. And as always, I'll point out that not even honest people do that usually because it's embarrassing, but just recognize how ridiculous that is. He's wrong, undeniably wrong. Now, obviously, he got ratioed, and which does seem always show you that the majority, as much as these yelling virtue signalers tend to act like they're the majority, usually not the case. I think most people see this, guys. Now, I've been talking about this for a long time, as you all know. This one, These are just a couple of the recent ones. If you want to dive back into this, 93% of British Columbia's April COVID deaths were vaxxed. 
100 percent there's no denying what that shows you fully vaxxed in scotland two times the risk of getting covid 25 percent increase in hospitalizations and 40 percent more likely to die this is february 2nd 2022 this is undeniable there's no way if you have a 40 percent more likely to die after the injections you don't just logic that away by saying well more of them are injected it's not 100 <laughs> percent you're hurting people what you're doing here in the UK, you have a two times the risk of getting COVID if you have been jabbed and more likely to die in Scotland. Feel free to dive through these guys. All of the source materials in here, all the links, all the information sourced directly to the government. And no, it's not my opinion. Here's Ontario. Just a, a good one-stop kind of one-page discussion here to, to make it clear for somebody that doesn't want to buy this. This is updated as of today. It's updated every day. Other than maybe these days down here, which I'll show you in a second. Somebody's trying to say is reason we're misinformed. <laughs> The bottom line is, as you know, this has been basically the same slight fluctuation for four months, half a year. It's been the same every day for a very long time. 75% of the people in ICU have injections in their body. That's more than 75%. That's, and this is ICU. These are people with COVID-19, so we're told, that are so sick they're in the hospital. Or in the hospital for some other reason while being having COVID. I mean, we know that happens too. Broken leg, getting a test. They call it, but they, and, and you're in the ICU for a broken leg. That goes down as a COVID ICU. Let's remember how deceptive this all is. But nonetheless, even with the deceptions, look at the smallest category, right? Or rather the, the smallest percentage of the whole thing, people with nothing in their body. So if the 75% of people in the ICU at any given moment for the last four months straight are people with injections, and that's long before it got to the high percentage, what are we talking about? Now, this down here is just people in the hospital, not even the ICU, and it's way more. But also, remember, as somebody right, thank, thankfully pointed out for me, even under unvaccinated, which is supposed to mean nothing in their body, it deceptively then says not fully, and then includes people with shots in their body, and then next says partially, and includes the same category. I mean, that's that, they are the, either the dumbest, most incompetent people on the planet, or they're choosing to keep it like that so they can play with it and dump them back and forth, depending on what they want you to see. And even then, it still shows 75%. It's just blatantly deceptive, guys. And that's not even to get into the first 14 days to 21 days and the dumping of those back into unvaccinated and the problems those then show. Bottom line, guys, this is a lie. Or rather, the whole, I mean, the, the, the whole vaccination process is my point. You're being lied to. This is showing you what's actually happening, even while they try to lie to you with it. Now, <clears throat> this was the point. Is this is being posted. There's a thread, people talking about this, de debating different things about COVID, and it comes down to this image, which, by the way, is from my show, <laughs> which is very interesting. I don't know where... Uh, oh, Blue Rose, Blurry Rose is the one that did it first because she follows us. I, I'm, I'm assuming it's a girl. I shouldn't have guessed to do that, but... <clears throat> Then this person says, check back again Wednesday. <laughs> Otherwise, the only possible cause is that they were given placebos. The only possible, or maybe that it's hurting people, because no, that's not possible, <laughs> right? I mean, just think about how willfully subjective and, and deluded that is. There's no other possibility. So if the first thing you do when confronted with obvious information is to go, well, what is it? What's the caveat? What could possibly make this not true? And this big, sir, due to incomplete, weakened information, which that is always there. That notice is there every single day, all the time. Check back Wednesday. Okay. Well, I respond in all this and I go, I've been doing that every month for weeks, for months straight. It's always been the same, right? But this person says a crime, far, far, far more likely they weren't accurately updated. <laughs> See,
See, there's people out there aggressively misinforming people. This person knows because I keep saying this. It's all, I, I don't have mine up in here. Here's one of them. I said, you're being willfully obtuse. Like the point is I keep telling him this. I keep saying, look, you're wrong. It's been updated every single day. Let's see if he responded. Nope. It says, I've checked the data two times. This is a math problem that goes beyond linear thinking, simple charts. <laughs> right. Okay. So now the argument is, well, Ontario is just bad at math and that's why. Is it possible? Sure. It isn't amazing how far out of the way people will go instead of just recognizing that people are being hurt by this thing that everything points to. Say this person, oh, here we go. See my reply just now con uh, containing the graphs you should be reviewing. Okay, right. So now you're looking at the wrong graphs. Oh, I got it. <laughs> I just can't believe this. It's amazing. Oh, see, this This is what, it, oh, let's see, this is not, I'm seeing less than one minute ago. I, I just, I'm at a loss. Bending over backwards to not see it. I don't see the response that he's referring to. In any case, the bottom line is, guys, that it's right there for you. It's been this way every day for months straight. There's, if he wants to point to some other graph that makes it the point, I'm not trying to make say this is the full picture. The bottom line is in the ICU in Ontario for months and months and months and months straight, the vast majority have been people that are injected. There's no misunderstanding that. And all they want to do is go, don't look at that. Look at this one. Now, the other point of it is that, okay, well, now that he's digressed into saying, oh, oh, you're not looking at the wrong, you're looking at the wrong graph. Well, didn't you just say these were just not updated? So now that you realize that it's not that they're not updated, but it's actually just what they are, you just point somewhere else. I just can't even understand how willfully ignorant people are being. But whatever, I can move. I just You're never going to reach someone like that if all they're going to do is point to something else or go, oh, well, they just got the math wrong or, or it's just there, whatever. A point that whatever you can to argue that you're not wrong. The bottom line is, guys, everything points in the same direction, especially when you realize they're altering historical information to make it look like the way they want it to, which is right there. Now we have the chief chief health officer, Victoria, saying, I'm down with COVID. It's odd how they all keep getting COVID, or they keep saying they're getting COVID, even though that doesn't seem to be happening to mo literally anybody that I know that hasn't got anything. Feeling pretty rubbish, though. Razor blade throat and painful cough. Clearly not the same for everyone. Can't imagine how might have been for me without three doses. God, it's just so stupid. Like, what? To assume that it had to be worse when you're having a really hard time, it's just, I mean, that seems really stupid, especially since the information shows you this thing's not helping. It's not lowering your problems. In fact, it's increasing them. It's, it's lowering your, your immune system. It is decrease, increasing your risk of getting infection for the first seven days. This is Pfizer studies that show you this. Why would you think that if it's increasing your illness and then having negative efficacy after three months, that it's somehow helping you? This is destroying you. This is going to, I mean, this will continue to come out. And it's amazing that people like this child level logic, otherwise he's involved in something saying, well, thank God I got this, right? Good thing I started using Rogaine or I would have gotten even more bald. <laughs> Just like, my God. But going forward, this, this person responded saying, I've gotten a thousand injections. I'm the same thing. Actually, here's what it says. Sorry for, sorry, you have COVID. I've literally just had my fourth COVID vaccine, which is interesting because I don't believe anyway, these, there's a lot of these people are having multiple shots from different places. They're five and six, and they're admitting that even though that's not even legal, but nobody cares as long as you go illegal in the direction of getting more injections, right? Second Pfizer. So she's mixing matching. 
which is very dangerous, which all the actual scientists are telling you they don't have any evidence to back up. They've got a couple of weird studies, but the point is that these they're not the same injection. They're not the same technology. They're not the same free, they're not the same refrigeration point. They don't last as long. I mean, what in the world, guys? You're mixing and matching like we're at some bargain bin. Why does that make sense to anybody? But, the, and also the fact that you need four of these things after they were trying to give you one or two, and now it's four, and now it's going to be six, and it's going to be six. I mean, I just, I'm really at a, a loss for the intelligence of these people, but it says at the Caroline Springs walk-in hub, plus my flu vaccine. Yeah, right. So the thing that's in the documentation that you're not supposed to do, doing my 15-minute wait before heading home, and she's immunocompromised. You know where I'm going with this. I feel better knowing I've had four doses, get well soon. Well, I responded. I said, well, that was very dangerous of you. Their, their, their own most current documentation clearly states that they do not know if even one is safe for immunocompromised and don't know if it's safe to take in other jabs alongside these. Don't you trust the science? You know I'm being facetious. I mean, this is what it says, guys. You've seen this a thousand times. Still, this is the most recent documentation. Immunocompromised. The safety is not known. So she's misinformed, which means she's never gotten informed consent. She doesn't know this to the point to where it almost seems like she's embarrassed because she just blocks me and runs, which I don't even, I mean, again, not even honest people tend to engage when they're shown to be false. But the real question is, did she just then go, oh my God, I did something dangerous and make new choices going forward? Or did she just double down and hide from the factual scientific Pfizer documentation that blatantly says what she just did was dangerous? I think we know the answer, seeing as how she still has three shots in her bio. Interesting, isn't it? Why would you not go, oh my God, that's really obvious and I just did something dangerous? Because it's not about facts. It's virtue signaling. It's politics. With your body. You're, but you're being a, an experimentation for politics. I can't even understand this. But again, it says it right there. On top of the fact that interaction with other vaccines, flu vaccine, anything else. Or how about when children are born and they're trying to force COVID vaccines on them? They don't know. By the way, that doesn't, none of them are tested alongside each other. Yet they give them all sorts of them. That's dangerous. COVID-19 vaccines, studies to determine the co-administration and whether they're safe have not been performed. And yet they're pushing it, immunocompromised, pushing it on people to get the flu shot next to it. How does anybody explain that? I've been asking this for months. I guess it will take until Jimmy Dore points out until suddenly it gets talked about, right? This needs to be discussed. This is obvious. You're being deceived. And nonetheless, here's Bill Gates telling you exactly what we were saying in the beginning and it was called fake news. Oh, I know. Shocking, right? Because that's not happened ever before, except it's happened like literally every single thing we've said from the beginning of COVID-19. You had had your what your two you had had two you'd had two uh, vaccinations and then two booster shots. Is that right? That's right. And, you know, for people over, you know, 50 or 60, uh, they'll probably. Okay, over 50 or 60, what would you call that? Maybe frail patients with comorbidities? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, that's what that means. It doesn't have to be. You could be 50 and be healthy. But the point is, most frail people with comorbidities are elderly. And what does it say? 
There is limited information on the safety of the vaccine in frail patients with comorbidities. You mean the most at risk? Great. So let's force it on them first because they're most at risk, even though we literally state that we don't know if it's safe for those very people. This is a massive fraud, guys. You are this is a, a huge crime against humanity. It's very obvious. It's even in their own documentation. This is why I'm just at a loss for why this, in general, it's just amazing to me. To be boosted every six months until we get even better vaccines. So every six months until we get better ones. But I thought these were safe and effective. Right. So why do we need more if they're safe and effective or every time they stop working or it's not working, it's Omicron or it's not. So we need to rush out the next thing. But they're safe and effective to get the first one, though, get the second, the third, and the fourth one. Just wait for the fifth one. It's new. It works. It doesn't even make sense. It does not make sense. I've been trying to figure this out for myself. I assume you know the answer to this. So I'll just ask you, um, when do you get boosted again? Oh, you mean the non-doctor, non-scientist who didn't graduate high school? Right. Or excuse me, college dropout, right? Why would he? Why would he ask him? Why is Bill Gates the expert on topics around COVID nineteen? Nobody has an answer, Bill, just because he's rich, apparently, and because he just made himself that. There's plenty of educated, highly credentialed doctors that are telling you the opposite that they just say fake news, be debunked, because their whole life has been debunked, apparently. And I mean, now that you've had it, you know, I've had to get boosted again. I mean, now that you've had it, you know, I've had around the same time. I've only gotten three shots total, only been boosted once. Jeez. I, I guess we have immunity for a little while. Or, but <laughs> when do you decide to get boosted again? My God. Uh, yeah. So an infection where you'll get a high viral load would be like vaccination. Uh but, you know, to be safe, every six months, uh, you're probably going to be vaccinated. As we get more data. Wait, what did he just say right there? That viral load would be. So an infection where you'll get a high viral load would be like vaccination. Uh, an infection where you get a high viral load like vaccination. <clears throat> so the argument being that it produces natural immunity, which, by the way, doesn't really have much to do with the viral load. And that's we've talked about this before. You, you can have one thing in your body that causes you to get sick that then creates the situation. The idea that you have more viral load in your body, which it, that, I've gone over this in the past. I don't want to get derailed. The bottom line is that this is admitting essentially what they're telling you isn't real. Uh, but, you know, to be safe every six months, uh, you're probably going to be vaccinated. As we get more data, they might even make that shorter for people. Yeah. Oh, you mean may may they may do that? Or you mean you already know that's going to happen? And it's been three months for a long time. The data has been clear. The the way they soft peddled this nonsense is painful. You guys know it. I keep showing you the St. Louis document from months and months of a year ago. It's been a three month mark for a long time. That's why after three months, ninety days, where their studies weirdly focus on why they pick thirty, why they pick ninety days. I wonder why because they know this already. They knew this in the very first study they did. After after 90 days, this thing goes off the rails. After one day, its efficacy starts to fall off. And that's relative risk reduction because it's meaningless from the beginning if they were actually being honest about all this. But after 90 days, it becomes 75% negative efficacy. It increases your risk of getting sick. That's alongside the first seven days being an increased risk of infection. That sounds like something that hurts you. There's a very small factor in there where they claim it does a little bit.
Does that sound like the right thing? I just don't understand why people are taking this thing. Even what they explain does not sound like something that makes sense. When you know that it increases your risk of myocarditis, when you know it can cause Bell's palsy, when you know it can cause blood clots and heart attacks, all super, super rare, they say, but it can, and they've admitted that. And now you know that you're very low risk. It's less than the flu. The Omicron is not dangerous, so they tell you. like Everything in the world amounts to why you wouldn't do this right now, other than them telling you to. People are, are, you know, say 60 or over 70, where the duration seems to be a bit lower. Um, So we're in for ongoing vaccination to stay absolutely safe. Yeah, that's real funny, isn't it, Bill? Why do you laugh at things like that, huh? (laughs) Ongoing vaccination, you know, like we scream was fake news when we knew that was what was going to happen, because that was the plan. I know it's amazing, isn't it? It's almost like we saw this coming. And of course, people like the Scott, or what was his name again? Now I'm blanking on his name. As You know, those people out there acting like we just, you know, guessed luckily and fell backward into the obvious truth, right? No, it's called, it's called research and evaluation and watching and, and learning the way that they conduct themselves and making educated guesses, yes. But it's obvious this is where it was going. Now, six months or, you know, maybe based on research a little less. Yeah, that's the truth right there. This will be whenever they, three months, they're going to, the bottom line is to not even pick the time Repeated, never-ending, ongoing injections. That's why I chose that image again today. That's where this goes, guys. It is not going to stop. They're being open about that. And and pointing at what exactly? Oh, a new thing, a new one we're working on. Now, doesn't that inherently imply, openly state, basically, that this isn't working? If they need to make the new better thing so we can stop, get off the hamster wheel? But no, but no, it's safe and effective, safe and effective. It's just not as safe and effective as that safe and effective thing over there. But they're all safe and effective because it means nothing. It really means nothing when everything is safe and effective. And it, so to what degree? Isn't there a metric there? Is What's effective exactly? Is it out of 100? I mean, it doesn't even matter. It's just a mantra. They yell to take the thing they told you to take. Now, the emergency use authorization here, guys, is a huge point that we need to remember. I, I've been harping on this from the very beginning, but I haven't talked about it in a while. And I want to make sure that we don't forget this topic. Public health emergency declarations. I'll include these in the show notes like everything else. Now, just for a quick side note, don't forget that they there's there's other emergencies which also open up the door to just unilateral illegal action, you know, where they just get to do what they want under the guise of an emergency. The opioid crisis has never stopped being one, even though they created that just like everything else. I, mean, I shouldn't say that so broadly. I mean, there's obviously nuance there. They, but the point is that you can dive into the discussion of Afghanistan and the rise of the increased growing of opium that they initiated once they took over, even though it was almost completely depleted by the, the by the Taliban before they invaded. And then the moment they stepped in, but 93% spike. This is all very easy to point out. And then the, the exact correlation with the spike of opium growth in Afghanistan and the shipping of it back to the spike in the opioid crisis. Weird, right? It's a shock. The bottom line is they've had an ongoing emergency in that regard to do whatever they're doing around that. Do you feel like you're in an emergency? Is it, is it, does it need to be an emergency? Like, couldn't they just take action to stop the thing? No, it's about opening the doors, whether financial or whatever else, by the claim that it has to be an emergency. It's emergency management, right? Emergency capital. What are you going to call it? It's a government that rules by fiat, that rules by mandate. That's where we are now. Now, look, they also have one here from May 9th. Apparently, wildfires and straight wine winds in New Mexico. Yeah, that's the level we're at right now. Oh, so we have fires and weather. Emergency! 
Now, I'm not going to pretend like a fire couldn't be an emergency, but why do you have to declare a public a public health emergency as the result of fires? Is it the smoke? If it's just about fires reaching you, that's not really public health, is it? And the winds? It's got to be about smoke, but are we really going to pretend you need to declare a disaster emergency for, for smoke? I mean, guys, this is just about taking money. This is about controlling you and taking actions that are advantageous to them in never letting a good crisis go to waste. Now, the point today, though, is about COVID-19 and the ongoing emergency that's still there. As of April 12th was the last time they initiated or continued this emergency due to the ongoing consequences, which, as I said last time, will never, ever, ever, ever go away. The ongoing consequence, they made that clear. What's the running tally? 1,400,000? It's, what is it today? What is it going to be in 10 years from now? Whoa, all oh, these people will die from COVID. Okay, what's the meaning now? It's, the context is lost if you're just adding up a running total forever. You could, what, what, isn't, we'd be tens and tens and tens of millions if you're looking at tuberculosis or whatever else. Way more than that, actually. The point is that it's just about keeping it in your mind. Over a million people have died from COVID. What about all the kids that, or all the people that went in the hospital and died from other things that were told they were COVID or people that died from things from like the flu and then were said it was COVID or people that died from car accidents after getting a PCR test that you went down as COVID. None of that matters though, because it's over a million because we know for sure. Even as we admit that we're very liberal with those numbers and they could die from a clear alternate cause and the slogan is, you've heard all this stuff. It's just so embarrassing how clear this is not what they say. Yet if you challenge it, you're a conspiracy theorist. But to the point. Here is the one, the first one. I believe this was the first one. I don't want to go, anyway, if, if I misquote the first one, it's one of the earliest ones. The point is, no, it is the first one. The first emergency was declared by Alex Azar as a result of, interestingly enough, confirmed cases, which even then later was shown to be not confirmed of any kind, but just cases based on PCR tests and so on. So in the beginning, it was based on exactly what you would have thought. The key linchpin to the illusion, the test that was used, just like it was in the past, to create the illusion of a pandemic, as even the New York Times admitted in their article about this, about whooping cough, right? The pandemic that wasn't, which I haven't talked about in a minute. I'm not going to read over, but oh, let's see. Maybe I, what, did I, what was that called? Was it a pandemic that wasn't? Is that what it was called? Now I'm forgetting it all of a sudden. Any case, I guess I won't bring it up since I forgot. But <clears throat> the point is, that, yeah, I've talked about that many times. That in that New York, that in 2007, I believe they discussed using the PCR test, and it created a, an illusion of a pandemic about whooping cough. People were given vaccines, quarantines, entire areas were locked down, and guess what? Not a single case of whooping cough. And in that article in the New York Times, they point out the problem of being the PCR test. Isn't that amazing? Shouldn't be. We're watching it happen right now. The point is that right in the beginning, they used the test that they knew did that before, and they focused just on the cases, not deaths, but the cases. And they said, well, as a result of this illusion we've created, we're hereby declaring a public emergency. That's where it started. Then, as it goes forward, you see that it shifts. January 7th, 2021. What does it become? And every time forward, as a result of the continued consequences. So what does that actually mean? Well, there is no metric for that. That just means what they want it to mean. They established the problem to begin with and they lied about it. And now they just, whatever they point at, long COVID, this undefined thing, they're just lumping in everything. They're now trying to pretend that hepatitis problem is long COVID. They're trying to lump everything into this conversation. So the point is, just like with the war on terror, which by the way, is still there, even though they don't talk about it, they still have things that they re they continue to reinitiate for the Patriot Act. They don't talk about it. They don't even focus on it. 
So why is it an emergency? Why do we need the emergency? Because it keeps the powers going. There will never not be continued consequences as long as they want that to be the case. So the point is, more so, that this was just done April 12th by Xavier Bursera as a result of continued consequences. Same thing. Using the exact same tactic as Trump did, right? Same thing. They both did the same thing. And now apparently they're set to extend the public health emergency past July. So they're just coming out early and saying, look, we're going to keep this going. We're going to do it again. Now, here's the interesting point. If you look at the dates on this, where we are right here. Oh, I think I have, uh, is it in here? Or it's this one. Okay, right here. So you'll see. I only highlighted two of them, but as I made this point before. You'll notice this multiple times throughout this. This one's the most obvious. So on October 2nd, 2020, actually, let me read this first. The point is, guys, that they have to renew this every 90 days. Otherwise, it goes away. The pandemic that wasn't. Is that what it's called? Oh, faith and quick test. That's what it was. That, that's what I usually start with. There, thank you, uh, Angela. So here's the article I was talking about for those that want to read it. 2007, that was right. Fifth, quick, faith, uh, faith in a quick test, the PCR test, leads to epidemic that wasn't. Right there. The decision was to use the PCR test. And you, it's amazing when you read this. It literally says nothing happened. Nothing, like literally zero. It was the start of a bizarre episode at the medical center, the story of an epidemic that wasn't. Not a single case of whooping cough. The point is, read through it for yourself. They shut things down. They locked down. They gave vaccinations. They did all it. It was a fake. And it was their over-reliance on the PCR test. They know how this works, guys. That's why they used it, in my opinion. But to this point, here's the National Emergencies Legal Information Institute, Cornell Law, as it says, not later than six months after a national emergency is declared. Now, this is actually different. So this is this is not the 90 days. That one's down here. Or no, that one's uh, mixing it all up here. I think I've discussed it over here. In any case, this this is different. So be, to be clear, every 90 days, they have to reinitiate the emergency. But this is a way that Congress is supposed to be voting on this every six months. I argue that's not happening. At least it's not being publicized. Not later than six months after a national emergency is declared. So technically this first one right here, which was on the, the January 31st, 2020, it should have been six months from that. They should have voted again on whether they should keep this going in general. I don't believe they did. At least they're not doing it now, as far as I can tell. And it says that, and not later than the end of each six-month period thereafter that such emergencies continues, that each House of Congress, so both sides, need to meet to consider a vote on a joint resolution to determine whether the emergency still shall be terminated. Now, I don't think that's happening. Now, here's the bottom line. It says, any national emergency declared by the president in accordance with this subchapter and not otherwise previously terminated shall terminate on the anniversary of the declaration of that emergency if, within the 90-day period prior to each anniversary date, the president does not publish in the Federal Register and transmit to the Congress a notice stating that such an emergency is to continue effect after such anniversary. Now, I don't believe that's happening. Somebody proved me wrong. I would love to see it. But it goes further than that. Every 90 days, this has to be initiated. Reinitiated. Every 90 days. Now, the main point is that's not happening. Here's the first one. October 2nd. 
dropped January. The next one was renewed on January 7th. Now, just so it's clear, I just typed it out. 90 days from October 15th. All right, that was the wrong one. Right here. 90 days. Sorry, I'm all over the place, right? Let's just sense we were there first. Here's the, here it is. October 2nd. 90 days from October 2nd, 2020. Is December 31st, 2020. Now, people try to make, there's no miss, if, ends, or buts about this. This weekends count. It's just simply 90 days. It is 90 days exactly. You could tell right here that's not the case. They went almost a week. So, I mean, over a week and one day, December 31st to January 7th, they were operating illegally. It's right there in front of you. The point is on December 31st is when they should have by that date reinitiated. Because you'll notice on most of the days, they reinitiate the emergency authorization like a couple days before. But here, between December 31st, 2020 and January 7th, 2021, they had no emergency authorization. That means all the injections they were giving were illegal. That means everything they were acting on, the emergencies, the lockdowns, everything was against the law. On top of that, they they shouldn't be allowed to reinitiate it. If you If it lapses, it's supposed to be over. I just, I mean, it's what it says right in the legal documents. And the same thing here, yet again. And there's more than these than you think. October 15th, January 14th. Now, this was only one day, as you can see. January 13th. 90 days from October 15th, 2021 is January 13th, 2022. And yet, one day late. Guys, this is important. It just shows you how rampantly lawless they are. They don't even care. There's a lapse happening and no one's even talking about it. And it continues. Over and over. And they're going to do it again, as I just told you. They're going to keep this going. Now, here is the FDA document where it says two things at the bottom I thought were interesting. The known and potential, this is the the reasons they're allowed to keep, to initiate these authorizations or keep them going. The known and potential benefits of the product. Which, first of all, we could be pretty clear about the known benefits. You can't start talking about potential benefits after this has been out and been used. This thing's not helping people. Barely over 50%, arguably below that, immediately after it's given. They admit that, which, by the way, I'll show you again another point, another angle also makes this invalid under 50% efficacy. But the point is that the known benefits right this moment absolutely do not outweigh the known risks. They just don't. I mean, if you simply stand back and look at the gigantic pile of things they th- say this thing is capable of causing and the risks that those in- in- bring to your life, and then you go back and look at the real risk of breakdown, not the hypothetical fear-mongering of it, but the real stated risks, and even then I argue that's probably misrepresented, of what they say this is, the less-than-flu risk, the fact that most people don't, and then even take Omicron into that. Their narrative is it's not as dangerous. What are we talking about? Why would you take something that increases your risk of all these different things for something that you don't really need? In a situation where you're not really at that much risk, most people in most categories. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. But the full sentence says, the known and potential benefits of the product when used to diagnose, prevent, or treat identified serious or life-threatening disease or conditions outweigh the known and potential risk. Now, they're always just going to argue semantics there and say, no, it does, and you're fake news. But here's the last most important one. There is no adequate, approved, and available alternative to the product for diagnosing, preventing, or treating a disease more condition. You know why that's important? Available. That's why they're keeping this thing from being, one of the main reasons they're keeping this thing from being out there. 
They want you to think it's approved while saying it's approved, but yet not releasing the thing they say is approved. Therefore, continuing to allow, through a loophole, their ability to emergency authorize whatever they want, which is not the same process. They want you to, they lie to the, the, the unintelligent people who just take them at face value and say, it's the same thing. Guys, if it was the same thing, they wouldn't have a new name for it, okay? It's basic. It's, and you can look it up on the FDA's documents where they themselves tell you it's in a, it's only used in a state where they don't have all the information. That's why it says the known and potential benefits versus the, no, the, the known and potential risks. It's at a point where you're supposed to have all this and it's been used for years. We're not supposed to be emergency authorizing anything, guys. This should be based on study and research. Not, well, we're in such a dangerous situation that we have to push this out fast. Well, they just told you we're out of the pandemic phase. And yet the reality is, guys, they are right this moment using emergency authorization for young children who are at least, this is less risky than the flu for them. You are giving them risk. Five to 11, emergency authorization. This is criminal. Now, here's the other part of it, which also makes it criminal. This is from 2020. The FDA will require, I guess, until it doesn't happen, then they just ignore it, efficacy for COVID vaccines, 50%. As it says, to win approval, any vaccine must be at least 50% more effective than placebo in preventing the disease. Well, they've already approved this thing. That's the point. They say it's approved, even though they're not giving it out. They still say it is, and yet they know it's not 50% effective. They're breaking rules and laws everywhere. An efficacy figure of 50% would compare somewhat favorably to the flu vaccine, in the last decade. I bet you didn't know that because if you say it on Twitter, you're called a conspiracy theorist. The flu vaccine has ranged from 19% to 60%. Yeah, that sounds great, doesn't it? 19%? I guess you just get to hope you get the 60 version of it if that's even accurate. And assuming you're not dealing with the pneumonia and pretending it's the flu, according to the CDC, who's caught lying about everything. But 50% efficacy falls short of what some researchers have concluded would have been needed to quash COVID-19 outbreaks. Well, that's interesting. So they set the bar low enough to where they, I guess, knew it wouldn't have an effect. There's a lot of ways you could take that. In a computer model that's regularly been shown to be false, a team found that a vaccine wouldn't need, would have needed at least 70% effective to halt the spread of the virus. Interesting. So they choose a bar that they knew wouldn't meet what they needed. It's almost like they wanted this thing to spread around, if that's what's happening. In approving a COVID-19 vaccine, there are two approaches the FDA could take. A full approval, which shows that Fierce Pharma doesn't know what they're talking about. There's no such thing as full approval. There's approval and there's emergency authorization or an emergency authorization. The full approval would require about 30,000 participants to enroll in a phase three trial. Right. Normal approval, which experts have worried might be difficult to conduct. Okay, so bottom line is, you could, without even saying it, you can very clearly see emergency authorization does not require that. So let's not pretend like a child. These are the same thing. You are skipping past exactly what's supposed to make sure this is safe. Under the the argument, the guys, that that kind of risk is necessary because the risk of what we're pointing at is greater. That's the logic here. But that's not true. And that's not even right. It's not even what they're saying anymore. Wait a minute. Okay. I'm almost certain that that... Oh, never mind. It's right here. Okay, I was going to say, I thought that the article changed. Okay, so the point was, I feel like I'm missing something on this article. 50% efficacy. Hmm. Well, in any case, the bottom line is that this is obviously below that number. So here's another example of how they are just setting a metric to say that do it for your safety. And then when it falls below that, they go, ah, it doesn't even matter. We'll skip it. (laughs) Ah, who cares? 
or like when they talk about children, right? So they're not going to worry about 50% efficacy for the kids. We just talked about that. That was the defender. Why, why it just doesn't matter for the, for the most, the youngest and most vulnerable. Nah, just give them 40%. Like, this is crazy. I don't understand why even they, they are, these, these doctors that are going along with this either are part of this or are more sinister than we realize, or maybe they're just not that smart. I mean, I don't understand how you can pretend that giving a child something they don't need, that's very, that's by definition ineffective under 50% guys, that's not effective. But here is Yale Medicine pointing out emergency use authorization versus full FDA approval. What's the difference? Now, even this is not as hard as the docu. I, I was actually unable to find the FDA one that I pointed out before. I'm pretty sure they've changed it. I wasn't able to get the Wayback Machine version because it used to be very clear, and it shows you in this as well, why or how these things are supposed to end. But it says it right in here. That's why I just went with this one. It's Yale Medicine. It says, an emergency use authorization can only be granted when no adequate, approved, available alternative exists. And when the known and potential benefits outweigh the potential risk, same as the other one, an emergency use authorization only also only lasts as long as the public health emergency for which it was declared. So if the emergency goes away, so too do the emergency authorizations. So that's why they're one and the same, guys. That's why they keep renewing this because they're just going to keep going with emergency authorizations. Since the start of the pandemic, it's sort of like they put you in a, there's, I'm going to go off on a tangent. Since the start of the pandemic, the FDA has granted numerous emergency use authorization authorizations related to COVID-19. So far, two vaccines, Pfizer, Biotech for ages 16 and up, and Moderna, 18 and up, and one treatment has gone to receive full FDA approval. I just can't get past how stupid that is, guys. I'm not, I'm not wrong. It takes 10 seconds to just look that up. The term full approval doesn't exist. It's not, it's not a thing. There's approval and there's emergency authorization. I just it's amazing to me that we have people like Yale Medicine rolling with this you can look up google trends it doesn't even exist before this it's just it's embarrassing but even people like this the writer for this i should say they fall into what they think the c they think the cdc and the fda oh those people you're smart if you listen to them and they start saying it so they start saying it. it's as simple as that intelligent people get fooled by who they think they're supposed to follow but down here it says how long did i miss something no okay how long on average, does full FDA approval take compared to emergency use authorization? This, this is undeniable. I just, I, this is like where you're going to get the Karens on Twitter. They're going to just delete you and not even look because they can confront it with something they can't dismiss. It says, according to one study over the past decade, the FDA approved 21 vaccines, mostly for flu or meningitis. Well, that's interesting. I was going to say meningitis, meningitis. Interesting. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. The median clinical development period for those injections was over eight years. Let me say that again. The average, the average development period from a phase one trial to approval over eight years, including an average FDA review period of about a year on top of that. For comparison, the COVID-19 vaccine from Pfizer-BioNTech, which was the first to receive its emergency use authorization, was under clinical development for six months before it submitted its emergency use authorization. An EUA was granted in less than a month. Full approval approval was issued eight months later. Eight That's eight years is the average. And we're pretending like that's not rushed. And you don't, I don't even pretend the lie about or the... the ridiculous argument that because they've been studying the technology forever means the safety trial should then be truncated. That's stupid. 
It doesn't matter how long you've been studying technology. The moment that you initiate a new product, you initiate new safety trials. That's obvious, and even they know that. They're just desperately trying to run from what this shows you, that they rapidly drove this forward. And even they were going, I don't know, Trump went too fast. We can't trust Trump. And then the moment they got in power, said, it's all safe and effective because Trump didn't do it. Here we are. Obviously, they're different. And it's amazing that people fall for this kind of stuff. But now, as I said, emergency authorizing this for young children, because that totally makes sense after what we just looked at, right? It's all honest and above board. Here's a person pointing something out I wanted to share. In light of the FDA's approval of booster shots for children, this is her story. She was 33 years old, an avid hiker, biker, and traveler, which makes me very sad that what's happening now. I received the Pfizer booster on the 15th of December, 2021. That was the last normal day of my life. On that day, her life changed. She has not been able to walk more than 80 feet since that day. Within two days, her, she had visited the ER for chest pains. She was admitted to the cardiac floor less than a week later. Her symptoms were numerous and severe. In the first three months, she had days where she needed assistance to even go to the bathroom. That's what people are dealing with, and nobody seems to care if their politics are guiding them in a different direction. She must be a Republican anti-vaxxer, right? Makes me sick. Oh, and then we get reports like this. So as that's happening, right? And as we have all this evidence of all the problems and everything that's dealing, all the waterfall of the Bayer's reports and everything else that they're just dismissing. Here's what New York Times reports today. Over 75% of long COVID patients were not hospitalized for initial illness, study finds. Okay, interesting. So here's what they want you to take from this. Long COVID, it can be dangerous. Even though there's, even read the article itself, they don't, there's, you can't prove that what they're dealing with was because COVID. They're just saying, well, they had COVID. And here's a correlation, which, you know, you'll always hear honest people like me point out correlation is not causation, but it matters. They say, well, look, now they all get, a lot of them got this problem way after that. And there you go. It must be COVID because that's all that can, that's the only thing we know that causes problems right now, right? Well, no. Obviously, we know that the injection that most of them also took after that, which plenty of studies have shown do cause even worse problems after they have natural immunity and then get the COVID injection and then get confronted with COVID, they have a much, much, much worse problem with it. Whether that's antibody-dependent enhancement or any molecular mimicry, pathogenic priming. But the point here is, guys, 75% of people with what they say is long COVID weren't hospitalized for the illness. So is it not more likely here? with most of them having the injection, as you can read for yourself, that what we're talking about is people that get hurt from the injection and then point back to what they say was their mild COVID illness and say, well, this must be long COVID. I mean, come on, guys. You know that that's possible at the very least. So it's amazing that we just, you won't even hear that mentioned. There's not even the allusion to, oh, well, it could have been this, but that's conspiracy. Nope, it's not even on the table. Just not even there. So the super rare thing that you admit happens is not even considered as part of this? Nope. See my point? So we admit that it's there, but then it becomes fake news when you try to engage with it at all. So myocarditis happens, but happening to a kid is fake news? How does that make sense? Obviously, you know, the, the. I'm not saying I know for sure, but you know that this, in some part, is going to be people that are being hurt by the injections that can get labeled COVID, just like happened before all this. No, I, there, hold on, there was one I added to this here. This one here. Oh, you're kidding me. Did I just close something? Hold on. I did. Oh, 
Okay, good. That's not the one I needed. So here's the other part. Let me scoot this up real quick and I'll finish with the other one. We've seen this hepatitis conversation. I've had a couple shows of this already. First of all, just to start right out with this so you can see this one, I'll show you the other one that's even more sound at the end of the little segment. This is December 2021. Autoimmune hepatitis after COVID-19 vaccine. More than a coincidence. That's just the title. I went over this already in the shows. The point is it's on Science Direct, peer-reviewed, highly regarded tri- a, a platform, telling you that this is a reality. Now, I'm not saying that means every kid everywhere getting hepatitis is all because of the injections, but we have to admit that this is possible because the peer-reviewed science suggests that it's happening. Okay, so when we get this kind of a report, same as like with the New York Times discussion, May 14th, elevated liver enzymes and uh, Bill Urubin following SARS-CoV-2 infection in children under 10. Recently, the CDC released a nationwide alert about an increase in hepatitis cases of unknown origin in children, raising concern about potential, uh, what was it again? uh, Sequelae of COVID-19 infection. It's one of those words that you don't read out loud often. But it says, in this study, we test whether there was increased risk of elevated serum liver enzymes and bilirubin following COVID-19 infection in children. So, gee, I wonder if they, when they want seek out to find something, whether or not they find it, right? You know, it's funny, though. We set out to see if this happened. I wonder if they found, like that, even that's, most, that's kind of confirmation bias, isn't it? Shouldn't you just test the situation and see where it points? But anyway, it says, compared to children infected with other respiratory infections, Children infected with COVID-19 infection were at significantly increased risk for elevated AST or ALT. And it says, uh, and the total relubium, jeez, I can't say that, bilibrubin. (laughs) These results suggest acute and long-term hepatic uh, sequelae of COVID-19 in pediatric patients. Further investigation is needed to clarify if post-COVID related hepatic injury described in this study is related to the current increase in pediatric hepatitis of oral origin. Okay. Now you can read into this for yourself and look through the study and find the same things I did and realize that the obvious question that should be asked in everything regarding COVID-19 right now, were these kids injected? I mean, that's obvious. So again, I'm not suggesting, I'm not saying this is fake. It's interesting. But I always point out why it's so one side. Why the obvious thing would be were these kids injected? Right? If you're doing a study around COVID 19 and that's an obvious factor, were they injected? You, I mean, did they get the flu shot? Were they wearing a mask all day? Like these, it's just all these factors have a difference. It's the fact that they pretend there's not a problem there is why they don't factor them in because they know they're supposed to be blind spots. But hypothetically speaking, if this kid did get the injection, which again, here's the next part that we do know as a matter of fact, Yes, clearly, no doubt, can cause hepatitis. This is the Journal of Hepatology, guys. From April 20th, 2022, SARS-CoV-2 vaccination can, not maybe, not possibly, can elicit dominant hepatitis, T-cell dominant hepatitis, period. Okay, so now that we know that, even though they want to ignore it, and even here, not a coincidence, and we know that's possible, then you give kids these injections. Right. Now, we also, by the way, know on a side more abstract note that the spike protein and so on, these things can shed and spread and that can happen, too. But putting that aside for a minute, the idea that these kids are being forced the injection all over this country. 
And they're at the most risk of this in regard to what they're dealing with in this case, because it's showing you this increased problem right here. But the bottom line is, could it be COVID-19? Do you believe that's what's happening? Sure. But if we know the injection does cause this and these kids are getting the injection, I mean, if there's peer-reviewed science that says it, that means the person who did this, who did this study is aware of that. You can't search for hepatitis and COVID-19 and not find this study. So that means they went out of their way to not include the possibility that what they're talking about here and exactly the situation, I mean, exactly could be happening by something else and being labeled as COVID-19 long haul or COVID-19 effects. But the bottom line here, guys, because I'm not saying I know, I'm saying that there's just open questions here that they're refusing to answer, which seems to be very obvious red flag. But what does this lead to? This leads to children are at risk, long haul, and the approval for children, which then gives them indemnity around the board, across the board, excuse me. That's where, the, and it, but it's all based on hypothetical. Well, the kids could be at risk. I mean, you know, nothing gets as, as irrational as when the kids, the children, what about, oh, I don't know, they could get, how dare you put the kids at risk? You mean like what you're doing right now? <laughs> The bottom line is they're going to hypothetically go, well, long COVID and the kids and the risk, it's all hurting only the children with hepatitis. And that's, whether that's happening or not, it becomes the impetus for the discussion to be, well, we have to keep this going. We have to approve for the kids because they're going to get sick and generations down the line. Where's the proof? All we see is correlation. I'm, this is alarming to me. And I think this is yet another cover up, just like we're staring at here. They're covered. They're actively trying to hide this. And I don't know whether it's because people are realizing they're just now kind of coming to heads with the fact that they were deceived as well, or this is all some grand conspiracy, which I do think it is, but including everybody, these kind of people, I think are starting to realize like they're trying, we got to cut, we got to hide this. Otherwise we're going to go to jail. I don't know. I don't, I honestly, as I say that I don't, I'm a pessimist. I highly doubt that will happen unless everything changes, but it's quite obvious to me that they are trying to hide this stuff from you and your kids are being hurt in lasting ways. And so are you. Finally, even as it's unproven and even as it's still not even, a, you know, there's not even approved versions of other kinds of mRNA manipulation. They're just, this, this is, I, I shouldn't even relate this to mRNA, even though I do believe that's the discussion here. This is more about the spike protein. We just talked about Biden and the stabilized spike protein discussion, which is very strange seeing as how the spike protein seems to be the focal point of what is hurting you in this injection, exacerbated by the mRNA and by the lipid nanoparticles and everything else that is hurting you by their own admission from previous studies, but you know, fake news. But the bottom line is that this is very alarming in a very experimental direction and it's just exploding in all these different directions. And guess who the subject is? You. This is another study from MDPI it says... Insect cells, which is not even that new necessarily, but insect cells for high yield, high yield production of the spike protein. Why is that what we want to do? Why are we even giving people injections with the very thing that we know is the dangerous part of the whole process? See what I mean? Like their argument is because that's the way the new technology works. But you realize, and I'm not promoting any vaccination at this point because I'm, I don't trust any of these people, but the old version of vaccines didn't require that spike protein, did it? So there's no real issue there in regard to some new thing causing a new problem, but they don't want to do that. They want to go the new directions about the MRA platform and how they're going to initiate that. They just refusing to put this down. This is hurting people, but they're still building on it and going forward as it continues to hurt people. Then it says building a virosome based COVID-19 vaccine. Now you guys can read this for yourself. It basically just talking about an interesting discussion of these uh, IC Bev 
icy bevs, which are like the the insect cell expressions for the vector systems. And it goes on to talk about how this is being used to stabilize the pre-fusion conformation, the spike protein. But it says for inclusion in a virusome-based COVID-19 vaccine candidate. So it's basically the same concept from a different angle, which anybody honest would say, well, it's probably going to hurt you too. But I thought it was interesting. This has been ongoing for a while. It's 2011. Insect cells as factories for biomanufacturing. Insect cells as factories for biomanufacturing. You know why I found that so interesting? Because of this Pfizer scientist before COVID started telling you what they wanted to do with your cells in your body. Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Right, so turning your body into drug factories. So is this a step to that? Has it already happened? Is that what you were already given? <laughs> right, we just don't care. It's like they're telling, what I said in the beginning, when they tell you what they're doing, it's time to pay attention. Or when they just tell you, claim to say what they're doing, listen to them. Question it, but listen. But it says, insect cell culture constitutes a powerful platform for the abundant and versatile formation of gene products including proteins, vaccines, vectors for gene therapy. Because it's totally not gene therapy, guys. Insect cells can produce multi-tumeric proteins functionally equivalent to the natural ones, and engineered vectors can be used for efficient expression. Now, the next part of it was the virosome, which I just thought was an interesting connection to how this seems to be working in ways that are, you know, the idea of this is it's not supposed to affect your body. It's not supposed to be lasting. It's this fleeting thing they do to keep you safe. But everything they're doing seems to be gene therapy, like fusion and altering DNA substance. I mean, everything is lasting and changing. And we're all beginning to see that. Even the peer-reviewed science has come out very clearly and found that this is altering your DNA and they just hide from it. They just don't, they suddenly that the most sound platform of scientific investigation is now a fake news conspiracy there. Oh, the BMG, that the, the BMG, the BMJ. Oh, that fake news platform that moments ago was the most regarded platform. It's just embarrassing. Right. So Brooke Jackson speaks of the BMJ and suddenly they're a blog, right? The British medical journal. It's just incredible what they'll dismiss. But it says a virusome is a drug or vaccine delivery mechanism consisting of unilamellar uh, phospholipids, lipid, you know, nanolipid membranes. Uh, it says vesicle incorporating virus-derived proteins, like the spike protein, to allow the virosomes to fuse with target cells. Which, you know, is not as alarming as it may sound in how these things work. But I just want you to think about how this stuff, I mean, you're being experimented on. And all of this stuff, insect cells and new vectors. And it, it's, it's incredible to see where this is going in real time. Why is that okay with anybody? It's just, do we need this stuff? Or is that what they want? Is it in your best interest or is it in the best interest of their genetic manipulation? Now, where all this goes in the, in the future, guys, the direction is quite obvious to me right now. Play a couple quick videos before we talk about the pandemic treaty and then finish with the food scarcity. As I said with this clip, if you quite literally type out exactly what she says here, you get called a conspiracy theorist right now. And those of us who outlined exactly what you're about to hear from her, this overlap at the beginning, were likewise chided and ridiculed. Yet, here we are. Where now they're openly saying what was so dumb in conspiracy theory right before we got here.
pandemic has been the ultimate disruptor. It has changed our realities and given us cause to pause and reflect. In the disruption is an opportunity for us to reset. And over the next three years, there is much work to do. We will build back better from the COVID crisis. Better, stronger, with an answer to the many challenges New Zealand already faced. This is our opportunity. Fortunately for us, we already have a blueprint for such a world and the Sustainable Development Goals. Oh, look at that. What a, gr what a happy coincidence. You mean Agenda 2030? Yeah. That's a, what a coincidence, right? It's almost like we've been pointing at that the entire time and shouted down as crazy. And the 2030 Agenda. We've incorporated the principles of the 2030 Agenda into our domestic policy making. Bill and Melinda Gates presents Goalkeepers. In a way that we hope will drive system level actions. This is not just a new scorecard. It is about fundamentally changing how we make decisions and therefore how we allocate resources. Right, exactly. Exactly the point. And now it's going to be based on the pandemic treaty that's deciding is if you speak up about what they want, about what's happening, whether real or not, then you're going to get funding for that. Oh, I'm dealing with a pandemic, or maybe we think it might happen tomorrow. Oh, good, good for you. Lockdown, here's money. Right? And this is, I'm not making this up. This is what they're discussing. Right? This is about taking the right action, and what the right action is is what they tell you it is. Now, where does the sovereignty come into play here? Where's the individual vote or the individual life come into play? It doesn't because you're now part of a collective and they decide what's best for everybody. Guys, this is not hypothetical. This is virtue to them. It's how it's being presented as this is what's right for you. And if you don't agree, you're a bad person. Is that freedom? When, when, when does my personal choice come into play? Here's another example. Openly telling you this. Openly. This is, as I said, when we first talked about this, the end of sovereignty. Seems confused. World Health Organization meets on May 22, and on the agenda is a potential pandemic treaty which would allow yeah. WHO to direct countries in how they control pandemics. Mm. Would you As somebody pointed out, by the way, it's taken them, this has been discussed for a month. Isn't it strange and obvious that the corporate media waited until days before it was going to happen to bring up a question? Do you consider signing up to that and handing over any controls to the organization? I have always been supportive right from the outset. And Don't forget her question. And handing over controls. He does answer that, but he goes a lot over stuff in the beginning. Are you willing to hand over control to an international body? That's what the question was. Criticised heavily, I stress, heavily, mocked in fact by the Labor Party for saying the WHO should have those powers and those authorities to be able to go and deal with pandemic situations because we all know what happened at the start of this pandemic. Uh, we, well, the problem is we don't know what happened at the start of this pandemic. Oh, a little bit of honesty there, actually, right? Yeah, you don't know, and you still don't know. But you're sure as hell locking people's lives down for what you want to happen, right? Can you believe you just said that? Of course, his argument is that we don't know what happened. Like, we don't know what went wrong. Oh, you mean aside from all the pandemic... Uh, ex um, like on the term, uh, the, the, geez, <laughs> the pandemic, like the great, or like the event 201 and the practice runs. I don't know why I'm blanking on the term all of a sudden, you know, they go through these processes and what do they find? Oh, well, we need this. We need that. We don't have enough of this. We're not prepared for this. And then what do they do? None of it. It's almost like they wanted to pretend to be unprepared, right? Why go through the practice runs 
They, why do I not find I can't remember that term. It's driving drive me crazy. Yeah. Anyway, why go through these practice runs to get the supposed answers for what you need to be prepared and then never take those actions? Hey, you sure as hell know what happened. You guys just created an illusion and drove in policy. And now they go back and act like, whoa, we're, our hair's still on fire. We don't even know what happened yet. It's just, it's embarrassing. They would always rather be seen as incompetent than criminal. And I was the one calling to ensure that we had an independent process to understand what happened so it couldn't be repeated. So I have been in the vanguard of those moves internationally to ensure that there is greater protection for world health, to ensure that uh, those world health authorities can come and understand what's going on and be Okay, meaning come into your country, right? Don't miss that. So meaning that they can come in whether or not you want them there to find out what's going on of their own accord. And that's, of course, assuming, which is dumb to do so, that they're not coming along with some sort of underneath entity like, you know, the intelligence operations or the National Endowment for Democracy or U.S. aid, which are just Trojan horses for regime change. Like I said before, what if they just go, well, Iran, we think you're having a pandemic. We don't care what you think about it. We think you are. Based on our research, you have to let us in because of the treaty. Well, so that's assuming they sign it, which I do we think they will, based on what I'll show you next. But think about that. This, Whether this is a vehicle for pandemic control or digital IDs or vaccine passports, or just simply another means of regime change or another means of control or, or any other forceful policy being initiated by groups like the United States government, the UK government, I mean, the Israeli government. It's very obvious to see how this could be abused. To pretend like they're just altruistic because they say so, is it's, just, it's painfully naive. I don't think anybody buys that. I think people are going along with it because they're thinking their side is winning, because it's politically advantageous for them. ...be able to assist countries to be able to prevent, to ensure that uh, those World Health Authorities can come and understand what's going on and be able to assist countries to be able to prevent the spread and outbreak of major infectious diseases. Uh, now, we'll look at the text of all of that, but we have been amongst the countries that have been positive about these sorts of changes, have to look closely at what the detail is in these things, as you always must. But the idea that countries can just say, no, you can't come in and have a look at a pandemic right. that's about to break out and actually affect the, the public health and the economy of the entire world. So we're told, right? Who's making that, who's making that conclusion? Who's saying that's what's happening? Who gets to be the ultimate arbiter of that reality? They do. The, the controlling powers of the international community, right? What does that mean? How, when will that change? Who votes on that? Not you, right? This is the loss of sovereignty. He's telling them, well, who, they don't get to say you just don't, you can't just come in because we say there's a pandemic. Guys, I mean, from a perspective, perspective of pretending that these people have good intentions, you could argue, you could see why you might argue that this would be something that would be good for everybody. But in a perfect world, which we do not live in. There is always people that will abuse the situation and you know who those players are. The governments are obvious. They've abused the sanctions. They've abused the, the regime change. They've abused the fighting for freedom. None of that's what's happening. And so here we are creating a situation where they're going to tell you, they get to decide what is happening and then dictate that they get to do something based on what they say is happening. You know what that sounds like? The war on terror. Oh, we think there's bad guys there. We've recognized the terror in your country, and we're going to come in whether you like it or not. That's what's happened all over the world. This is the same model and the same concept. Now, it's being applied in a biosecurity state, and it's going to be used to control your life, just like the last one was. As we saw with this pandemic, 
then I think it's only sensible that that's an area of international cooperation um, that is very, very important. And I've been consistent on that. And remember, the Labor Party mocked me for saying that that was a good idea. It's incredible. As I said, the WHO pandemic treaty, as Morrison outlined here, utterly removed national sovereignty if and when they decide your country is dealing with a pandemic which means whatever that definition has been changed to when this comes to pass. Let's not forget that they just arbitrarily change definitions based on how they want to meet them. So even the word pandemic means something different today than it did five years ago. We made that clear in the beginning of COVID-19. We said, look, their own pandemic outline says that right now, and even in the midst of this supposed pandemic, that we weren't in the metric of a pandemic, according to them, before this started. And what they do? Well, they change that then. Hey, now we're in a pandemic. What do you know? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, guys. And I think this is obvious at a world level about how that's going to be used for everything we've talked about. But I can't keep, I, I can't miss, like, what about the outliers? What about the African countries or any country that just decides to be like, I don't want to go along with this? What happens then? This is a tool used against them. Or, and it could just be an allegation, or it could be that they actually create a pandemic in these places. I mean, I know this gets above and beyond for some people. Oh, conspiracy theory. It's amazing we still push back on that stuff today. But the reality is not my hypothesizing, but that we just know that governments abuse situations always. And in this case, you can see obviously the way that this could be abused. I don't know why anybody allows these things to fall in the hands of governments. But I, uh, uh, um, Brock West just put up a great, uh, a great compilation posted by Star on uh, Rumble. The Pandemic Treaty, a global technocratic coup. This is from our show on May 5th, 2022. Just, you know, just so you know, we've been covering this for a while now. It's important to watch this. As I'm seeing, I'm seeing this kind of bleed out into the larger platforms out there to recognize this is an important discussion. And it's usually a little bit less surface level than you get from the larger platforms. It's important to understand the real breakdown of this. And it's not a partisan thing, guys, as much as they'll try to make it out to be. Here is a great platform uh, website that you should check out. World Council for Health. Hashtag Stop the Who. How can you how you can take a stand against international health regulation amendments, which, by the way, don't forget, I just talked about the other day are different. There's the treaty. There's also their update. Uh, I think the counter signal did a good report on this. I talked about in the last show. Their health amendments, health regulation amendments, um, updating these first is alarming to me because you're essentially updating the reality of what they can do now, but without enforcement. But in a way that makes it seem less alarming because they there is no enforcement. But then suddenly the pandemic treaty comes along. Now they say, well, we've got teeth now. Now we can say those amendments we can make you do. Like if it happened in reverse and they added the treaty, then those regulations would be looked at through a different lens and be like, well, wait a minute. You can't update this one to say this because you could just make me do that. It's quite different, isn't it? So my point is these regulations are talking about things like your lockdowns, non-pharmaceutical interventions, right? What you should do in certain situations, vaccine passports, digital IDs. It's all going in the same direction. So these are just amendment, health regulation amendments. And then once this treaty comes down, which I know it will, they're going to say that they're allowed to force you to do these things for everybody's best interest. And anybody that would not agree with that, probably a white supremacist Republican or something like that. Something that ties back to the larger agenda. Just my thoughts on it. Not that that means the two-party paradigm. That just means the way they're going to frame that. As my point before, they'll frame me like that. As much as I think they're all ridiculous on all sides of the two-party paradigm, I'll still be framed as that because that's the agenda. Or just white supremacist, anti-vaxxer, which in their minds means the same thing. But this is all coming your way, guys, in a rapid pace. 
Here is a, uh, I shared this article before, but here's just the worldwide rally for freedom, May 21st, save the date. You can check these out for yourself. This will be in the show notes. Just, you know, people need to stand up for this stuff, guys. <laughs> just, I don't even know why I have this. This is just stupid. Just the fact that we're talking about, you know, working together and working together. She, she, has, she has this really dumb clip on here where she just repeats herself over and over. It just makes me wonder whether they're just completely confused. You know, they're losing the plot here and they, did, they think they don't know where to go next. But that is especially true when it comes to the climate crisis, which is why we will work together and continue to work together to address these issues, to tackle these challenges, and to work together as we continue to work operating from the new norms, rules, and agreements that we will convene to work together on to galvanize global action. With that, I thank you all. This is a matter of urgent priority for all of us, and I know we will work on this together. And of course, of course, we'll work on this together. We'll be together, we'll be together, we'll work on this together, because being together is what's all about working together. I mean, it's kind of funny, right? I mean, the, the idea that she's just clearly confused. I mean, even when she's about to say it again, she's like working to, on the the things of the, you know, like she just kind of like jumps in on the, the tenants that we care about to, together. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's embarrassing. But what's funny is that the, the, main, the point in there that she's really getting at globally, right? That's the idea. She's talking about that we will convene to work together on to galvanize global action. Global action. This is about the this is about the treaty. It's about the direction they're taking and they're doing it from a global entity, right? Remember all the fake news. It's the only fake news. People talk about the new the world government. That's crazy fake news stuff as they literally outline a world government in front of you and tell you that's what they're doing. I say it, "Oh, you're so stupid conspiracy theory." It's pretty interesting how this is happening. But to finish the show today, we need to realize that this is being built as a means to an end, whether we're talking about the food supply issues, talking about the cyber attacks, talking about the war overseas, talking about everything. They are using these things to drive you in an unbelievably obvious outlined direction. It's so clear to me. It's in, it's in, it's painful. As this person points out, the little red dot in the middle of this is Ukraine. It says, let this sink in for a minute. They want you to believe because of this little red spot, we have worldwide shortages of oil, gas, paper, milk, grain, and many other things they've listed and other raw materials. Now, obviously, it's it's fair to point out that any kind of a thing like this will have global consequences. But we also have to remember that this was something that was already building before this ever started. So it's really stupid to pretend that the gas prices that were 80, 70% where they were before this ever started is all because Putin. It's really dumb, and we all know that. But it's politics, so people choose a side, right? But in this case, you have to acknowledge that there are some of the things in Ukraine or in the other surrounding areas that might be affected and that the supply lines through that area would definitely have an effect or the gas specifically you can understand because of the way this has broken the, the, the flow through your bottom line. Yes, it has an effect. But to pretend that it's at a level that we're seeing roundly everywhere is just so embarrassingly obvious, especially since it was already happening before this. And the guy, I mean, and then think about this, guys. Why didn't we see this happen when Syria was at war? Why didn't we, and it still is, by the way, why didn't we see this happening when they did, when they invaded Iraq or Afghanistan or, you know, all these other examples of larger warfare that were far more engaged. Why? Why, why was this one the one? Because it's obvious that this is the point. 
This is the direction. Now, again, it is having some effect, but it's being exacerbated because it's never let a good crisis go to waste, especially when you create it. We just need to be honest with ourselves about what we're staring at here. Now, we're seeing this everywhere. And I do not, this is obviously not just because of what's happening there. This is being driven into reality. And I'll make one point about that very clear. U.S., this is just as U.S. gasoline prices, gasoline prices hit new record amid refinery bottlenecks and tight supplies. A lot of these things have nothing to do with what's going on in Ukraine. It's actions and choices being taken that they claim are somehow tangentially connected, but they're just simply about their own control over flow and dropping the, the supply, guys. And it's very clear. Here is European natural gas prices to triple in perfect storm. Right. It only has a small effect. Like the bottom line, first of all, is do not forget that all of this, as they've now admitted to, was driven forward by the U.S. government. For freedom, of course. Don't get it wrong. It's all for freedom. But they still drove this into reality. And then, of course, we're always, long before Ukraine, aggressively attacking the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Had nothing to do with Ukraine. (laughs) Look at that. It stopped it during this process. Perfect. What a happy coincidence, which of course had dramatic effects in the flow of energy and everything else, or specifically the discussion for Germany and that, I shouldn't say the flow, but in general, the discussion around energy and the prices, but we're talking about the flow being the next part specifically, at least 20 European gas buyers open rubles for gas account with this bank. The point being, they're now switching over to rubles instead of the dollar, which is going to have dramatic effects on the, the dollar, on U.S. economy, on, ev- on the world economy. I mean, this is going to have dramatic effects, and I think that's intentional. Bottom line, though, is this is interesting and seems to be detrimental to the U.S. interests, which will be then probably used to take action. But the overarching point is it all leads to the collapsing of a system that can be rebuilt in a new way, reimagined, if you will. Now, meanwhile, as they're saying that their sanctions are destroying Russia because we're winning and the ruble surpasses Brazil's real as real as the year's best performing currency. Hmm. Wait a minute. Real's rally loses steam as the rate differential to U.S. may shrink. The point here is, guys, that the ruble is the best performing currency. Now, how in the world do you align that with their sanctions are working? Well, because their sanctions are working, but they just don't work the way that they tell you they're supposed to. They're supposed to hurt civilians. That's what they're made to do. That's what they're designed to do. The ruble is doing better because they shot themselves in the foot, I think partially intentionally to destroy a system to rebuild it, but by allowing this system or, you know, driving Russia to a point to where they take action that creates this situation. Because Europe is pretty dependent on them. And especially the point where they're not going to spend exponentially more for a less reliable system. <laughs> it's the same thing with their weapon sales, guys. It's just a no-brainer. But here we are. Same thing with their they're screaming about how they're starving to death in Mariupol, but yet they're just about to win. You can't have both, right? Russia pulls back in situations and they go, we got them. They, def- they retreated. <laughs> well, no, they openly said they were going to pull back at this moment. Then they did when they said they would. And they're, oh, we won. <laughs> And just, they're just lying about everything right now. In, in all sides, I would argue, to some degree, but it's quite obviously coming more so from one. But then finally, FDA and Abbott reach agreement on baby formula to try to ease the shortage. Scott from Rebunks has been talking about this a bit, and he's the one that actually brought this to my attention, the baby formula discussion. So what do you, wait, wait a minute, they reach agreement? So it wasn't because of supply chain issues? It was because they had an issue with it? Well, th- this has been quietly under this conversation. It's been there. But the general assumption has been that this is somehow tied to supply chain. It's not. 
they're they're shutting this down. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's off any supply chain disruption will have effects on general supply. But the point is, this is about something they say they found. You're going to laugh out loud about this. FDA to reach agreement to ease the shortage. It says the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, on Monday reached an agreement with Abbott Laboratories, interestingly, one of the groups of all PCR tests and everything else, on the steps needed to reopen the company's shuttered baby formula plant, which could begin to ease the shortage of infant formula that has frightened and exacerbated parents nationwide. Now, why is that exactly? Right? Why is that? Because any woman that has a baby should naturally be producing milk. But we're in a world now where you have a baby, you have a, you hire somebody and you go right back to work. And it, right. I mean, we live in a broken society where we don't understand how important that process is about the skin to skin contact, about the, the wet, the nursing of the baby and the, the cannabinoids that naturally transmit from the milk to the baby. If you think that's fake, look it up. It's a natural thing. It has nothing to do with cannabis. Interestingly enough, the only thing, cannabinoids that are they're naturally in cannabis are naturally produced in breast milk for a baby. And yet we pretend like cannabis is super bad for it. It's a whole other topic that I can go on to forever. Alex, I want to talk about it. But the point is, it's counter to natural, natural life. My point here is that we acting like this is a big problem, but we don't need baby formula. Now, I shouldn't say that. There's plenty of people out there that have issues, right? They can't produce milk because of certain problems. Now, part of that's probably because of the drugs they're taking or the injections they've taken or so on. Long story short, but the point is that's why we have wet nurses or rather we don't anymore because we don't live that way anymore, but that exists. So this is, we're building a world where we're creating our own problems here. I hope that's clear, but going forward, it says the FDA said it expected Abbott to restart production in about two weeks and was poised to review progress at the plant in, in Sturgis, Michigan. It has been shut down since February. Oh, so before this started, that's interesting. After several babies who had consumed formula that had been produced there fell ill and two died. So before you, the whole supply chain issue started, you shut this down. Okay. And of course, that's while he's, you know, Bill Gates is making his biomilk project that's totally not related to that or that he's buying up all the farmland while he's producing fake meat, you know, totally unrelated at all. But what's interesting is that they're worried here about the report, unconfirmed, of course, of babies that consumed this product and then got sick and died. Now, could they have died from this? Of course. They don't know for sure. They don't know for sure it came from this. Now, what does it remind you of? What does that whole process remind you of? Where else do we have a bunch of reports that we don't know for sure? Oh, that's right, in Bayer's. 20,000, in fact, of all sorts of unverified reports that they don't care about. But over here, weird how they get a couple of them and everything shuts down. We don't know for sure, but we know they got sick. And so let's shut the whole damn thing down just until we figure it out. But let's keep giving those shots, even though we've got 20,000 reports of problems, because we don't know for sure. Anybody else wildly insulted about that inconsistent logic? But it says, court records say the FDA found a deadly bacteria called chronobacter in the plant in February, and the company found more tranches of the bacteria later that month. Oh, so the only connection is that we found this in the plant somewhere, and we got kids that died while there is injections being given, but let's not talk about that. And we go, well, that must be possible, so shut the whole production down, the entire plant, until we figure this out. I mean, just, it makes my heart hurt. This is logic, and yet we can have unconfirmed reports of an, un, an, un, an unending list and they don't stop that one? 
It's just everybody sees that this is inconsistent. But it says Abbott staff, quote, have been unwilling or unable to implement sustainable corrective actions to ensure the safety and the quality of the food manufacturers for infants. So they're just they're not they're not satisfied with their actions. Right. I mean, again, same point. Meanwhile, we got all these reports over here of vaccine problems. And what actions are they taking? Nothing. Literally nothing except seeking indemnity. But we're satisfied with that one, though. In a release, Abbott said, quote, there is no conclusive evidence to link Abbott's formulas to these illnesses. But still, they shut the whole damn thing down just in case. Just in case. God. I mean, good God. I don't understand why this, this is my, the reason this article comes out by, like this, in my opinion, is to make it look like they're doing due diligence. Well, if they did this here, they must have done it for the vaccine. No, they didn't. And they're still not. Right now, they're ignoring thousands upon thousands of safety reports. Ones they know are serious, like like Mary DeGarrett, or, uh, DeGarrett, um, DeGarrett, Ma- Ma- Mary DeGarrett? Shoot, I don't want to misquote her name. DeGarrett was her last name. The, 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 the young girl who is still in a wheelchair to this day that they lied about and said was a stomachache. Still, you can look up our Bayer's report right now. It says stomachache. She's in a wheelchair eating through a tube right after getting the injection. Her mom testified in front of Congress, but no, stomachache though, right? Well, we'll shut down the whole damn plant just in case. Makes me sick. I think that was it in here. Now, I thought there was another point on that. Anyway, the point was obvious, guys. Inconsistent logic. And, oh, and on top of that, the point is that that inconsistent logic, just for your safety, just in case, just so happens to be a huge effect on what would later happen like a month later, which after February was the supposed supply chain problem that created because Putin. Isn't that interesting? How it all kind of works together in a very coordinated way. But on top of that, guys, this is where it comes in with Iran. As much as Iran is, you know, same thing like Russia and the United States and so on seem to have like these surface level and that are, I think are genuinely real, these government disputes and battles and fighting and so on. At a higher level internationally, it seems like a lot of them are on the same path where we've are. We, Maddie DeGarry, thank you. It's a terrifying, sad story. <clears throat> but we've seen. For instance, Iran coming out early and sort of pushing back on the lockdowns, but then falling right in lockstep. I don't know what that ultimately means, but here's another example of that. Bernie's tweets points out inflation, which we're seeing everywhere, not by accident, not because Putin, but because of their created actions, inflation at 50%. And the most horrifying part of the story in Iran, not the headline, is that the government will offer digital coupons for limited amounts of bread. Other food items will be added later. Digital coupons for rations. Guys, this is like right out of the conspiracy theory discussion, which obviously, as we now know, is not the right way to call that. Conspiracy theory is not even remotely what this is. We're talking about conspiracy reality. Digital coupons for food rations are like right out of the Agenda 2030 fear-mongering kind of conversation. They shouldn't even call it fear-mongering, just <laughs> pointing out possible dangers that are on the way, right? I mean, that's exactly what we talk about. The the UN stuff or door-to-door rations during problems, guys, that's what this is. And then digital coupons, of course, can be revoked. Soaring bread prices spark protests and shop fires in Iran. Now, here's the article, just to make sure you see what she's saying. Two protests, the protests were triggered by a cut in government subsidies for imported wheat that caused huge hikes as high as 300% for the for a variety of flour-based staples, which are very important in, in most 
societies today. But the bottom line is that's a huge problem during what we're dealing with right now. Same thing we're seeing in this country and elsewhere, these gigantic spikes and that the general coverage of the corporate media aren't really highlighting just how detrimental this is to people that are, which by the way, are the majority of the country, people that are middle class below. This is most people that are struggling that can barely afford gas right now, barely afford to feed their family. And it was just like that during COVID. Is any of that your fault? No. Iran's official inflation rate is around 40%. And some estimates it's over 50%. Almost half of Iran's 82 million population are now below the poverty line. The government plans to offer digital coupons in the next couple of months for limited amounts of bread at subsidized prices. Good God, that's exactly what we're warning about. And realize, guys, that the 50% inflation, I mean, we're, 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 don't think of this as some, oh, that third world country. That's exactly, and by the way, Iran's not a third world country. They're actually very advanced. It's, it's where we're going to. It's exactly the same point. And you're being driven here out of a, by actions taken by your government, putting you in a position that makes you food scarce, that makes you exponentially more reliant on what they give you. Here's a great video, by the way, which I'm, I might break down and go through more on the next show. I got it late in, the, in my prep today, but I'm so glad that he's still doing this. Ice Age Farmer. I forget if I've reached out to him. I don't want to pester him. I know he's very busy, but if you guys have his ear, I'd love to connect with him again. I think I sent him an email recently, but I'll try to follow up. We've had one interview with him in the past, and he's just an incredibly intelligent person. Very, very on the story. He's been on this for a long time now. And the title he's writing, Digital Food Rationing Rolls Out Using Biometric IDs Amid Food Riots. This is exactly what he's been telling you is coming. Exactly what many of us have been warning about, guys. It's where it's going. Now, as we pointed out recently, Sri Lanka, this is what's happening in Sri Lanka right now. To give you some context here, hungry residents are literally preying on wealthy residents and officials burning their homes and cars. The police opened fire to kill. More than 200 people have already been killed. I mean, th- ask yourself why the corporate media is not talking about this. 200 people have already been shot. Protesters shot. If this was Iran, it would be everywhere. If this was any country they could say bad guy, it would be everywhere. Not this one. Isn't that interesting? Why aren't they talking about this? Because what it shows you is the, the I mean, I do think to a degree they want people seeing this. But it's interesting that this is not being discussed the way it should be. That right now, these people are, are eating the rich, right? That's what's happening. They are revolting on the wealthy society that does not care that what they're doing is creating this life for them or this insecurity for them. Now, I don't necessarily mean just anybody rich, but I mean people in powerful positions, the authority figures, right? And this is what they're desperately afraid of. Like this exactly is what they're afraid of happening anywhere because the reality is that the population, if in unison, can overtake pretty much anything right now unless they're willing to just take hardcore kinetic action. Weapons, military, shoot you down. But then what, are you going to shoot down the entire population? I'm not saying we should do this because I believe that's what it would come to. I don't believe that a cornered animal would care. But the reality is that they're at a point in Sri Lanka. I don't think they want to drive it to this point because they lose control at this point. It only takes so many people, a certain amount of people, to overcome what they're even capable of dealing with. They know that. They factor that in. So I think what's going to happen, guys, is going to drive to a situation where maybe this is what they want, maybe they don't. I'm not sure because I think collapse is ultimately what they would drive toward, but I would argue they would prefer that it be a little more controlled. 
whatever that would mean. But it's, I mean, I'm not trying to justify this kind of action, but guys, my point is that if you put people in a desperate position, they will desperately act. It's as simple as that. If your family is starving to death, is it, I mean, what, what would you not put past somebody who is literally watching their family starve? I mean, and then you, then when you realize that this is being created by people in power, I, you, it's not hard to see how this comes. But as always, I am never advocating for violence. I think that's obvious, but this is where we're headed. Now, here is Kit Knightley, as always, knocking it out of the park. Genetically edited food. The next stage of the Great Reset? Yes. But here's the interesting part, guys. We already saw the GM food push fail. Bill Gates was also a part of that. They, in fact, made them more food scarce, and nobody wants to talk about that. Here we are trying the next genetically edited manipulation. But going forward from that, those being the injections, they're now pushing the next step. What's, which is even more genetically edited food with less regulation. Why? Well, because of this. Because people are starving and we need more food. I thought the GM food was supposed to solve that problem. Oh, don't talk about that. We're not talking about that anymore. We're going to the next GM lie, right? Don't acknowledge how the GM push was the reason that we're more food scarce. Who cares about that? This is what they're pushing. This is alarming. To quote the National Institute of Agriculture, Botany, the legislation they're trying to push right now would, quote, take certain precision breeding techniques out of the scope of restrictive GMO rules. Essentially, this would see new gene-edited foods as distinct from the old-fashioned genetically modified foods, and therefore not subject to the same rules and oversight. See how that works? Just change the whole thing so you, as long as you don't meet the regulation definition, you don't have to regulate it at all. <laughs> Perfect. So we don't care that we're being unsafe because we're not doing the thing. It's, it's never about actually keeping you safe. The claim distinction is that gene editing, as opposed to genetic modification, doesn't introduce DNA from other species. Therefore, in effect, is merely speeding up what could potentially naturally happen over time. It says the EU Commission has launched its final consultation on the de deregulation of new breeding techniques in agriculture. So making it more uncertain, adding re the restrictions they had in place already were hurting people. Now they're going to remove them once they have now, or some of them. Finally, it says they have just created a food crisis. I believe that. That's what Kid is saying, and I agree. And as the, cliche, the clinched Hegelian dialectic, is that cliche? Cl clinched Hegelian dialectic inevitably goes. Maybe cliched. Their manufactured problem is now in need of their contrived solution. And what will that solution be? Well, of course, genetically modified foods and digital passports so we can monitor everything and you know, digital IDs so we can dole out your digital certificates for the food we're going to give you. That's where this is. I know there are people hearing this right now that are going, that's conspiracy theory. When it happens a week from now, a month from now, hopefully you're going to stand back and go, oh my God, he was right. Or at least acknowledge that I'm not saying I know it's going to happen, but that we're considering the possibility of it. And that remember, you were so resistant saying fake news. Hopefully at that moment, you'll stand back and go, what isn't, right? What now currently am I hearing that I believe that could also be fake? Hopefully that's happening everywhere because this is created. This is a fake crisis and this is the contrived solution. And it's alarming, guys. It's all going in this direction. As Seek for Truth points out, new controlled food system is now in place and they will not stop it. Not, they will stop at nothing to accelerate their control. If they control the seeds, they control the food. And if they control the food, they control, they use the digital ID to control consumers' access to the food. Gene editing and digital IDs. That's where this goes, guys. It's all already being built. It's happening right around you in real time. And even worse, they're straight up telling you they're doing it. 
and you got the 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 yelling Karens on left and right telling you that you're fake news because they heard it on CNN or Fox as they're saying they're doing it. Help me. Help me get this in front of people that need to see it. It's very clear what they're doing. It's time to fight back. And as always, I am never advocating violence, but it is time to push back, guys. I love you all. Thank you for being here. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. There's been over a 20 to 1 return. If you had put that money into an S&P 500 and reinvested... Questions get asked when people have hesitancy or reluctance to get vaccinated. Did you go too quickly is the first. The answer to that is the speed was a reflection of extraordinary scientific advances and did not compromise safety, nor did it compromise scientific integrity. The next question is, okay, but what about the fact, is it really safe and is it really effective? Or is this something the government is trying to put over on us? Is this something the companies want to take advantage of? Well, let's take a look at what's happened over the past few months. We've had clinical trials, and thanks to the volunteers in that trial, in tens of thousands who have put themselves on the line to prove to the country and the world that these are safe and effective products. It is really bittersweet. The bitterness is the fact of what the Vice President mentioned. We still are in the middle of a very difficult situation with record numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. But the sweetness is the light at the end of the tunnel, which I can tell you, as we get into January, February, March, and April, that light is going to get brighter and brighter, and the bitterness is going to be replaced by the sweetness. And we all hope, and I think this is doable, that by the time we get to several months into this year, we will have enough people protected that we can start thinking seriously about the return to normality. And that's up to all of us to step forward and get vaccinated.